In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Zone four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get money, get money, get money, get money. New money, new money. Hey, rich boy, silly, quick folk, niggas wanna jack shit tight. No snake, just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Rich boy, silly, quick folk, niggas wanna jack shit tight. No snake, just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Rich boy, silly, quick folk, niggas wanna jack shit tight. No snake, just bought a Cadillac. Took it to the top, top, got the damn top, drop two color. On that bitch, folks. This is so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is Tuesday. People failed to mention to me that Monday was considered a holiday. So I, I was stupid and went ahead and released a Monday episode when I probably didn't have to, but come on. You 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 have a Monday and a Tuesday to look forward to. So you can pretty much put this on at work and just check out the entire day. I wonder, do you guys have stories of like how you how yeah? <laughs> My question is like, when you guys go to work, do you actually work or do you just try to find ways to make it look like you're working but secretly don't work? I I honestly wonder about that sometimes. Like, how many people actually work at their job and how many people are just trying to make it look like they work at their job? Um, but anyways, yeah, go listen to that Monday episode. It is a brand new one. I know there was some confusion with people going, oh, my God, you released a new one. And I was like, oh, my God, I totally did. Fourth of July, I'm still recovering. My mom is still recovering. If you guys listen to Monday's episode, my mom got tzanked, tzanked on Bombay Sapphire Gin. And this, I found out how we're rewriting history today. So I'm, I was house sitting for my sister. I'm back over at my parents now because my sister and my niece and nephew and her husband got in town. And uh, hopefully, I didn't. I think I left the house pretty good. But um, I come over here and she's like. 
well, you're, Miss, you're never pouring me drinks again. So now all of a sudden, I like roofied my mom. Now all of a sudden, she's like, oh, Mr. Strong Pour over here. And me and my dad are just looking at each other. We all had the same drinks. She, God bless her. She just won't, she will not ever admit defeat. I, I, if I ever have to go into a war, I, I'm going to have her be my general. This, I mean, she is nonstop. And then she keeps apologizing. And Mom, we've all been there. We've all been drunk. It, we, I said, it was just the three of us. I mean, there was nobody. Of course, I did go live on Instagram and there was like a thousand. No, no, I didn't do that. But now I'm kind of kicking myself. I should have tried to make my mom reenact Madison LaCroix's Instagram from last Sunday. Mom, show everybody your butt. She would have done it. She was a wild woman. I was like, holy crap. Then I was thinking about like, I was thinking about young Becky Bailey, my mom, where I was like, I wonder if my dad ever like got her drunk and like try to make out. It was just, it was a dark night for all of us, a dark night of the soul. But she's doing better. And and that's the other thing too. So she scraped up. She has bruises everywhere, uh, a cut on her nose because she, she was fall. She refused to let us help her up. And she was like, no, no, I got it. I got it. And then she was drunk. So her balance was completely shot. And, she, and then finally, when she like, <laughs> this sounds horrible. I, it, it, it was like watching something in slow motion. She face planted on these like rock things and she cut her nose open. And that's when I hopped out of the pool and grabbed her. And my dad grabbed her, but she refused help. I mean, this woman is strong as hell. So then I'm thinking, if it's me, you guys know. you guys, I bitch about it on the podcast. I bitch about it on the Instagram. If I'm hungover, you'll hear about it. My mom is bouncing around, not with a smile on her face, but just like with this, I did this. I went to a birthday club. I made your sister some chicken because they, they've been, you know, on an airplane all day. I'm like, what? And she she's joking around. I'm like... There is no, and then if that is the case, how did it skip me? Like if this, if she has some kind of weird special gene in her that like makes her like not have hangovers, where, why didn't I get that? It's making me think maybe I'm adopted at this point then because I feel every moment I, I had empathetic hangover with my, for my mom. Like I was, <laughs> anyways, I've spent way too much time with my parents this last year. I think it's obvious. It's no, it's, I mean, we all know. You don't have to, you don't, don't write a letter. I get it. We, we get it. Um, but I hope you did have a great, uh, weekend with your family and friends. It looked like you did. I saw a lot of you guys on Instagram and it, and it looked like we're back in business, baby. Yeah, baby. It's America. We're back. It's me, Caitlin. Woo-hoo-hoo. I celebrated by killing somebody on the PCH. Woo-hoo-hoo. I'm joking. Um, so uh, let's see. We got a couple. Oh, by the way, so today's guest, awesome. He's been on the podcast before. An Australian gentleman by the name of Jacques Peterson from the Unpopular Podcast, and I love this dude because I disagree with most of the things that he says, but he says them so brilliantly. Like I almost, he's almost turned me a lot. But I just think he's a really good podcaster, and he just we had such a great conversation, and you can't help but love his voice. I, I just really, I think he was great. I had so much mail the last time I had him on and it was all kind of people saying similar things to me of like I don't agree with him but I really like him and I I just had another great conversation with him on Saturday so we're gonna get into that and we talk about Beverly Hills we talk about Roni we talk about Britney Spears we talk about Bill Cosby we talk about all these different things in the news it was just a really great conversation I've been thinking about Roni a lot though lately in uh, Real Housewives of New York uh, I always wonder if people tune in and have never um don't know what the hell we're talking about when we say Roni. So just, just in case, 
Uh, it's Real Housewives of New York is Roni. You know, just how we say Roby for Real Housewives. No, I don't say that. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, so I, I watched it again today because I had to take notes for it, and I released a solo Patreon recap of it on my Patreon. So if you guys want other episodes, they're out there. Uh, hey, baddies, that's what we call ourselves. Don't make fun. We're badass people, and you don't it's, you don't need to know. It's fine. Um, but I watched it again, and it was like my second two and a half times watching it. And it is, I, I say this a lot, but I just want to remind everybody, I, I think everybody's the same, is that it really depends on when you watch these shows and who you watch them with. It can totally, you know, it, it can totally change the experience for you. And when there's these kind of important conversations where you have race coming up and, and all of these things that are actually very important and very different than a show like Real Housewives of New York to feature, it, it's going to, you know, you, you see it rough on screen, but also the, I think the audience is going through a rough time too. And it's not because of Ebony K. Williams. I mean, it's because of the fucking world that we live in, right? So it is interesting how I watched it last week and I kind of got angry. I didn't get angry, but I was just like, why? It's like Ebony highlights how horrible these ladies are in some ways. And we've already known, we've are always known it, but they've been our horrible ladies. And I say that with as much affection as I can. But I also just didn't understand the casting because, like I keep saying, I just don't, and I would love to talk to Ebony about this, I just sometimes want, like, I, Ebony, why would you want to be friends with these ladies in the first place? I don't even believe you would. I don't even believe you would. So all of a sudden, it, it puts this this weird imbalance in this. And, and Ebony this week's episode said that, um, you know, uh, racial equality, the black experience, these things are her life's work. And I keep thinking about that life's work that is like my life's work is this right now, you know, or this is what I'm really proud of. And I know that sounds silly, but I'm super proud of it. But hers is even more uh, beneficial to society as a whole. I know you're like, Ryan, this is a good podcast, but I think hers might be more beneficial. She can walk through, uh, help people walk through these kind of difficult conversations and navigate things. But it really is such an important conversation that sometimes I feel like it gets wasted on these ladies. Um, but also, if it's her life's work, she's then doing this with ladies who don't have life's work. What is Luann's cabaret? Oh, I'm feeling Giovanni is my life's work. Like, it, 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 it's not, it's apples and oranges, you know? So all of a sudden, like you go from these ladies that we all make fun of and who's Sonia going to hook up with and who's where's Ramona going to shit her pants at, you know, and then you compare that with Ebony, who's like doing real life's work and you can't compare. So it's like this weird, different show now and not in a bad way. I'm not saying we can't get back like and uh, like I always say, I'm not I'm going to continue to watch the show. I'm probably going to love many scenes in it and I'm sure they're going to find their foot in at some point. But I do, I was trying to really crystallize it in my head um, of why, what I think is off. And I don't just write, well, I just don't like Ebony. No, that's not it. I like Ebony. I, I, but I'm trying to crystallize it. I'm trying to make sense of it. And I think that is it. Is that when somebody admits that that is their life's work and it is so important, it creates this kind of weird, weird imbalance when you have these other ladies who potentially don't have life's work you know like their life's work is the show sonia's is a toaster oven you know leah's converting to judaism i don't know 
but I think that is maybe where we can start, you know? So I'm gonna I'm really curious where we go from here with that show. But I I did enjoy it more the this the second time I went through it. And I know most people probably aren't watching these multiple times like I am, but I'm truly a madman. And uh I do just wonder about in future seasons how we deal with this. And we talk about in today's episode, but why is Real Houses of Beverly Hills working? I mean, we have conversations about race and ethnicity and creed. I mean, we have Crystal. I mean, that that has gotten brought up in the first episode between her and Sutton. But why is that show more balanced right now than Real Housewives of New York? Um, I also keep thinking about that feelings change, that how we feel about a show in the moment is going to be different than how we look at it a week later. And that's totally cool. You know, like, I think a lot of us, like, rabid fans of these things, we feel like we need to lock into an argument and stick to it. We, we There's no room for, you know, we'll go to war for it. And I think that's just the wrong way to look at it. My thoughts and feelings change in my own life so frequently that I'll, I'll have whiplash sometimes. And the same goes for Bravo. The same goes for these reality shows. You can love somebody one episode and hate them the next. That is like Roni for me is that like something that I get really upset at because, yeah, it does. It makes you a little uncomfortable because you're like, oh, this whole year's been uncomfortable. But then I approach it seven days later. I'm like, okay, well, I actually see a little bit more. And then there's like a little bit more of a dark humor that comes through when you're watching these ladies get so frustrated. When you're watching Ramona learn about microaggressions and then try to teach Luann about that. I don't know. For some reason it works, but maybe I'm... Also, maybe I'm just trying to find a way to make it work, which is cool. But I just wanted to share those real quick thoughts. If you want me to hear, talk about it for an hour and 10 minutes, go over to the Patreon. Um, uh, it was actually an interesting conversation. But I also want to, I just want to say like, hey, sometimes I don't know exactly, like everything I say, let's just put allegedly in front of. We can change our, our feelings. Like, we're supposed to learn. We're supposed to grow. The only thing that we need to know is that we all dislike Jax Taylor. That will never change. We've always got to have that. And if we can agree on that, I mean, that's a jumping off point, right? That's a mutual agreement that we all understand, and it brings us all together. By the way, a lot of you guys sent me Jax Taylor did SpawnCon. There was two examples of SpawnCon on the Jax Taylor um, Express, or what we call his Instagram page, where this man did a, a pro, like a, a a story ad for like a mattress store, and he's like, you know, keeping up this with this kid, I need a good night's sleep, and there's no better good night's sleep than with our friends over at Sealy and Posturopedic. My man Gary hooked us up with a bed fitting. Yeah, they do bed fittings now, folks. Me and Brittany and crew, like, and it was. I don't want to ever say. But it's like, look how the mighty have fallen. And I do want to also say, if somebody offers me a mattress ad, you're damn well I'm going to do the same thing. But it is interesting when you go from a full cast uh, regular on Vanderpump Rules to selling mattresses. And also, this was embarrassing. They did a spawn con on their stories with, like, Cruz's favorite diapers. And it made it look like they were, like, you know, 
they had gotten hired to do SpawnCon for them, and it turns out they had no affiliation with the company. Probably they were just like trying to get free stuff. But remember, when this podcast first started out, I used to do a Jack's Tweets of the Week, and I would keep track of how many companies he would reach out to. Like if he was at like a Exxon Mobil, he'd be like, "The best gas is over here at Exxon on Cahuenga." Like he was expecting to get free gas. Like, you know that one of his rooms is just filled with like just pink Starbursts and fucking like beer koozies he got for like tagging somebody in a tweet. The man tweeted every company before. Like, I think he truly is one of the first influencers in reality shows in the sense that he was trying to get free shit. One of the first people to always try to get free shit. This is before Britney came along. This is about, like, he always did it. And he's one of those guys of, like, don't worry, babe. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to bitch at this airline and try to get a free ticket. That was our man Jax, right? Like, he always did that stuff. So, and he and they're, they're getting paid, so I don't really need to feel bad for him. But I feel like probably, or if it was me, I think a little piece of my soul would die every time I had to write hashtag mattress, hashtag goodnight sleep. Hashtag firm. Hashtag box spring. That would be, that would make me sad, especially knowing that, like, you know, all my friends are filming Vanderpump Rules now. Um, so there, yeah, that, that is that on that. But, but I use that song, throw some D's on that bitch, just bought a Cadillac. Uh, that was the intro song. And remember that uh, every time I start to feel bad for Jax, I have to realize what a dork he's been. Like, I don't need to ever feel bad for him. Remember the episode where he bought Britney's fake boobs? And he was the one that chose to get them as D's because he was the one paying for them. And he did throw some D's on that bitch. He said that that was a line in his, but I love that he was like, I'm paying for those things. I'll get them as big as I want. And that really shows you um, how sometimes women are treated like possessions in this world. You know? <laughs> like, And also I over wondered like, well, if him and Brittany ever split up, you know, Jax is going to ask for those boobs back. He's like, no. I'll use them on the next girl. I've got D silicon boobs and those are mine and I'm going to get those in the divorce. Which, by the way, if that ever happened, I actually don't think they'll ever get divorced for real. Um, but if they ever ha- if that ever happens and he gets the boobs out, wouldn't one of those be great for my reality show museum? Come on. If you had one of Britney's fake boobs that Jax had bought in her, like that would be amazing. And you could have it like a, an exhibit where you could have that song, throw some D's on that bitch. Um, Guys, I'm truly insane. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. It was so horrible. I apologize to all the families listening together. I'm so sorry. Oh, I can't believe I just did 10 minutes on Jax and a mattress. Um, let's see, some other 4th of July news, how other stars celebrated. Um, we found out that um, Bronwyn, Bronwyn Wyndham Burke from Real Housewives of Orange County, former housewife, I'm happy to say, um, she went to New York, uh, for the 4th of July holiday. I know she has, uh, 30 kids. They were not with her. So I'm guessing, uh, Sean had the kids. It is always interesting on these big holidays. Bronwyn isn't with her kids. I'm not mom shaming. I'm just pointing out something that's interesting for, uh, well, here's the deal. And she goes there and she goes over to, um, uh, what's her names? The, uh, the Tim Toolman Taylor, Barack, uh, what's her name? Barbara. Barbara. Uh, Barbara from Real Housewives in New York when she was a friend of Luann's a couple seasons ago. She was hanging out with her, and then she was hanging out with uh, our favorite Elise from last season of Roni. Um, And they wound up at a party in the Hamptons with, wait for it, 
Harry motherfucking Dubin. There is a picture of Elise Bronwyn and Harry Dubin with with Harry Dubin's paws just all over Bronwyn, and I've never seen a bigger thirst smile in my life. How does does Bronwyn just ingratiate? I have a theory, and it could be wrong, but it just seems like she ingratiates herself with anybody in the Bravo universe. And it is one of the most disturbing things because, like I said, she always lines up politically for me. I, I, I agree with a lot of the causes she fights for. But then at the same time, I guess we have to normalize that you can do that and also be kind of a thirst monster where it's really cringy. Where, where you're like, what? Did you not have a life before you got on this show? Because it seems like everybody in your life is some sort of stepping stone to some other thing that involves TV. And that's the part that like kind of bothers me because it's all you're like, and it's like, girl, you you're hanging out with Elise and Harry Dubin, like you can't even get a Ramona in there. Come on, get a list with your suck ups. Then it's like you're 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 doing TikToks about being a fired housewife, and I don't know. It's like it's not funny. It's to me, it's like weird. It's it's like just let go for a second. Let go. Like, let's, you know, like, do you, because then it makes me worry about that. It's like when I worry about the contestants on The Bachelor, it's like, okay, they're good now with all the Instagram and SpawnCon, but what, what happens to them 20 years from now? Like, I do sometimes wake up in a sweat in the middle of the night wondering what happens to all the contestants on The Bachelor and Bachelorette. We're going to have to take care of them for the rest of our lives. Bronwyn is going to want some form of our attention for the rest of her life. She she needs it. She craves it. I And she will do anything in her power to get it. Or at least that's how it reads. Because I'm sorry, you're not going to tell me that Elise is... I've, I don't know. You're, you guys know what I'm saying. It's just one of those weirdly disturbing things. And I, I could be wrong. I leave room. I leave the space. And I'm giving myself grace to be wrong. But I don't think I am. It seems like it keeps happening. And it's happened from the start. We've all clocked it. So I'll be very, very interested to see, especially when they start filming. Which, by the way, we got uh, news today that they are going to start filming Real Housewives of Orange County next week. I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm down for. I, I'm kind of excited again. They, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, somebody sent this into Demois in regards to filming. It says Real Housewives of OC starts filming this week. Nicole James and Noella Berenger are the newbies, and producers might bring in another, depending how the beginning of filming goes. Tamara is coming back towards the end. The recasting is to bring class and wealth back to the show. Both newbies are loaded with money. Really, everyone interviewed is loaded. Now, remember, Noella is friends with Bronwyn, so I hope, I I really hope that we are able to to not have a Bronwyn. But I think maybe they had a falling out. I'm not I'm not sure about that, um, because I'm a grown man, but. Who knows? We'll find out more, but I'm very excited about all of this. And so we're moving away from the Casita Orange County years. I do wonder, though, about Gina involved in this. Like, I I love Gina. I think she's great. But, I mean, we had like four episodes last season where Shannon said one thing about her townhouse and it became like a huge plot line. Like, if it's going to be all glitz and glam, where does Gina fit in? Is this like another season where we pick on Gina because of her financial status? Like, I hope not. Like, but it just becomes apparent when they do things and Gina's like has her like clip in, um, 
you know, hair extensions and I don't, I, I'm excited to see where they go with it. That's all, that's all we can really ask for, right folks? That's all we can ask for. I know I brought this up yesterday, but the Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani, we are getting wedding photos now. Um, Gwen posted them on her Instagram earlier. She looked like a beautiful bride. He looked like a country singer. It all is exactly, but I said this on yesterday's podcast with Sophie, but the more I think about it, the more I'm upset because I feel like there's some kind of Mandela effect happening here. Now, if you watch, there was this great uh, show on HBO called How To with John Wilson, I believe it's called, and they did an episode on the Mandela Effect. And the Mandela Effect, you guys, is when a group of people, or like even, uh, like, you know, that we remember things a certain way. And they call it the Mandela Effect because people had thought Nelson Mandela had died a long time ago before he actually died. And there's like a huge swath of people that will swear by like, oh, I was almost positive he had died. And so they call this the Mandela Effect where where the human mind is pre-positioned to, to think a certain way like the Raisin Bran logo with the sun. Think about it. Do you remember the Raisin Bran logo with sunglasses on the sun, like black sunglasses or just the sun itself. Most people will say with the sunglasses, but guess what? No sunglasses on the Raisin Bran cereal box. But a lot of people, myself included, will be like, oh my God, I was almost positive that there was that. Okay, or, or like sex in the city. What are you guys? Is it sex and the city or sex in the city? A lot of people say sex and the city. They can swear by it. No, it's sex in the city. So there's all these like weird little things that, you know, uh, there's, there was actually a conference which they follow in this. It's pretty silly uh, and it's a really funny episode. But I do find it interesting, these things that our, that our minds will tell us. And my mind told me that Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani has been married forever. Like, I, I mean, I know not forever. I know she was with Gavin Rossdale, and I know he was with another country person before that. But in my mind, they've been married forever. And it's either that or I just obviously didn't care enough and probably just saw her in a white dress and assumed she was married at some point. But no, they just got married this past weekend. I feel like they've been together forever. And like I said, I just... I. I had a breakdown on the Patreon about this because I wanted to know, like, I felt almost bothered of why I didn't care more. How can two celebrities almost cancel each other out? And these are, like, successful celebrities. Yet together, they did not become more powerful. Like, Benefer, they have canceled each other out and have become weaker. Like, I don't, and and I want to say, I do not dislike either of them. There is not anything I have even bothered to look up to get angry about with them. Like, even when I'm telling you this, I am not clicking on any articles about her wedding. I just don't, life is too short. I would rather look at the matching outfits that Ben Affleck and J-Lo wore this weekend. They were, they did a tan, uh, beige, um, uh, ensemble. We'll call it ensemble. Ben was wearing a beautiful um, whitish brown um, blouse, sweaterish blouse thing. Um, But it was very matchy-matchy, and that made me hysterical and made my mind wander of, like, how does that happen? Does J-Lo lay out clothes for Ben? Is there a couple? Like, does Benifer have a stylist? Like, which would be cool. Like, if I ever ever get into a full-blown relationship again, what if... What if we hired a stylist, right? As a couple. Wouldn't that be cool? Do a lot of couples do that? I bet not. I bet we could be the first, huh? It'd be cool. Couple stylists. Tell me how awesome that would be if they just style. And, and we, we would just have regular jobs. It would just be normal jobs. We're not celebrities, but it would just be in the morning. You're like, oh, okay, we're wearing this 
matching leather look. And we'd work at separate places, so it wouldn't make sense until we went out to dinner at TGI Fridays or Chili's that night, you know? But I thought about, I looked shit up about the Ben Affleck J-Lo stuff. Gwen Stefani gets married. I don't even look, I don't even, I, I don't even look for more information. And that makes me feel bad. I love No Doubt. I, I do. I think I like No Doubt still. I, and I just, usually when I dislike things passionately, then it's like, okay, that makes sense. Why? But now I'm like, why don't I care at all? It feels like Mandela effect territory. I, I want to know why I don't care. I want to be a person that cares. They deserve me caring, yet I don't care. And I wonder if I think others feel the same way. I posted this on my Instagram and I got a lot of feedback that people feel the same way. And I wonder if they even notice it. I wonder if they are like, people don't care about us really. Like, but I think they're truly in love. So when you're truly in love, it doesn't matter what we, the public think. Like only Benefer cares about what the public thinks. That's why it's potentially not going to last and not a real relationship. They have a real relationship. So I guess I shouldn't feel bad about not caring, but I don't, I don't care. I looked up more about Nick Cannon and how many people he got pregnant this last year. You got, I think I said that he got another kid. I just, the fact that like, if you saw Nick Cannon in public, there's a chance he would try to get you pregnant. There's a chance, like, I posted a photo of him on my Instagram, and I had people writing in of, like, Ryan, I looked at this, and seven days later, I was pregnant. It's like the girl in the ring. If you watch that ring video, you see it, and then seven days later, you're pregnant by Nick Cannon. That's what that shit is. It's, there's voodoo involved. I know there is, you guys. But um, if anybody could help me try to gain a passion for Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani... Please reach out at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com. I want to be the person that cares, but for some reason I just do not care yet. But I want to. I want to. They're celebrities. They deserve us caring. And I just don't. And I even look I saw one of the wedding photos and she looked pretty. But I still didn't care. What does that say about me? Is that say, is that growth or is that just they're boring? I guess we'll never know. But what we do know, folks, is that our next guest is an amazing dude. Um, his podcast is called Unpopular with Jacques Peterson. Uh, he does have some uh, interesting takes, but he backs them up. Uh, I really think this guy is uh, one to watch. He's got a good podcast. He even involves YouTube drama, which I don't cover here. Uh, but I really do uh, enjoy talking to this dude, and I'm sure we will be on each other's pod for a long time. I can't wait to hear what you think about this. And um, it is interesting. I had a couple thoughts in here that I say that I left in that I already disagree with myself. So I'll be interested to hear what you guys think about that. And remember, it's okay to change your mind about opinions. We're all just learning. We're all doing the best we can. I mean, most of us. Some of us are not doing the best we can and we're being lazy pieces of shit. And you guys, you know who I'm talking to. You got to step it up. Oh, and I guess on Wednesday, I'll tell you about my Instagram. I got shadow banned on Instagram again. So there's some really unhappy people on Instagram. And I don't mean me. I mean other people. I mean, just, I got to tell you this story. I'll save it for Wednesday because we're already 30 minutes in. You guys, without further ado, my main man, Jacques Peterson. Did I just say my main man? What the hell is wrong with me? Uh. 
Hey, you guys, welcome to your Tuesday episode. Uh, I hope you've had a good week so far. Uh, I don't know if I've had because we're recording this on Saturday. So hopefully we've all had a good week at this point. My next guest, you heard just a couple of months ago, but I had such a good time talking to him. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I was going to have a good time because I have never been so diametrically opposed to everything this man has said. And he turned out, like it turned out, he switched me on some things. I actually almost came to his side on some things, but it was such a great conversation. And I know you guys liked it as well, because I got so many emails of like, I don't agree with this guy at all, but I like him a lot. And I was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. So he is back. We're going to dig into everything. I am so like, I'm genuinely excited to find out what he thinks about things. Sometimes I won't read his Twitter feed because I don't want to ruin it when I talk to him. So, uh, from the pop, uh, from the podcast, unpopular with Jacques Peterson. Jacques Peterson, welcome back to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. That's so funny that you said that you got the email saying, I don't agree with him, but that's the feedback that I get all the time. I don't agree with anything you say, but I like your show. (laughs) But it's so, but see, I think that is like one of the biggest compliments you can give somebody is that if I, like when I used to read your Twitter feed, I would get angry. I would be like, (laughs) how dare this guy? But then uh, you talk, then I talk to you or I would imagine anybody listens or talks to you goes, okay, this guy actually has really solid points behind the way he's thinking. I've actually, I've been making a lot more of an effort not to tweet as much because it's just like, it's just not worth it. I'm like, no one understands me on Twitter. I'm like, I have to stop because it just always <laughs> ends badly. But then when I go on my podcast, it's so much better. It's funny. I wade into, uh, I, I can't even tweet about K-pop. I was a big K-pop. Well, I still am a big yeah, K-pop Yeah, you told fan. me that's how you get started, yeah. right? But the K-pop fans are crazy. I won't really tweet anything about K-pop unless it's the most like bland opinion now. Like I like this song. Like I won't say anything else because of like the ratios. If you even criticize a K-pop artist, it's scary on Twitter. <laughs> Did you see that um, that uh, story that the Daily Mail pushed this uh, past week where that one man got like 17 surgeries and now he considers himself Korean because he wanted to look like one of the guys from BTS. Yeah. The transracial guy. I responded to actually one of his tweets just because I thought it was funny. I said, this is the best troll of all time. Cause he's just trolling. And I just thought but it was wait, funny. Wait, wait. He's just trolling, but he actually did the surgeries, didn't he? Well, he, so he was doing the surgeries, but then he's added on the transracial thing. That's the troll because that's the publicity thing. An actual voicemail leaked from him to someone and he was going uh because he's actually british uh he was going you know transracial's the next big thing like trust me i'm gonna get so many headlines so you know it's hey, who just is that a- other uh, the other guy that's now a girl that used to do all the plastic surgeries uh can- he looked like it was like ken alves or he, he oh, looked like uh, ken the the human ken doll oh no yeah, no the, human, the i think there's two but, of them there's two human ken dolls there was the now, original but now the human ken doll's a, a she yeah, the, the human Kendall now is Jessica something. Yeah, Jessica Owl. I can't pronounce the it last is... name, but yes. They're all these botched celebrities, like, I mean, as in botched, as in ease botched. Like, they all go on ease botched and they become crazed fame monsters and they just do anything to stay in the headlines. But I love that we do know these people because of the headlines. I do love that the Daily Mail will sometimes, like, they're, like, just like I was talking about this past week, that Demi Rose, who is always, <laughs> or Ireland Baldwin. Like, there's no reason that we should know these people people and but like at what cost do they get in i mean this guy really has had 17 surgeries and he said he identifies as korean now which is very interesting i was talking to my nephew who's like 13 years old and he said he identifies as a boeing 747 
And that, that's a joke that, sorry, that's a joke that teenagers do a lot. Teenage boys usually, because that's kind of like a, um, they're sort of making fun of the whole, I don't know, like non-binary and everything. So they'll just go, I identify as an attack helicopter and stuff. It's like little, oh, it's a little no, boys he's trolling. Like, he's literally flying around the house now. Oh. And I go, <laughs> no, but no, but at the same time, it blows my mind because when I was his age, I didn't know anything about any of this. And they get to have these ideas and like all of this stuff. And I'm just like, wow, this is so interesting. And I wonder how you navigate as a young uh, person, male or female, where you find your place in this world or, you know, like, it's just like, I, I didn't have to work. Like I worried about if girls liked me, you know, like these people are worrying about like so many different things. Well, I think we were more innocent in a lot of ways because we didn't have the internet and we couldn't be exposed to all of this fucked up stuff. Like, for us, say when we were like 13 or whatever, like porn for us would be like sneaking into dad's room and or someone's, you know, and looking at a Playboy magazine, you know, yeah. whereas now it's like kids are seeing all kinds of like crazy shit. But then I also feel like in some ways we got up to more mischief because we didn't have, like, we weren't just sitting on the computer all day. Like we had to go out. So we would go out and get in like real life mischief. Whereas kids now are just sitting on the internet. Oh, looking they don't want to do knows what. anything but internet. And like, I get it. Cause it's really more exciting than real life usually, <laughs> but it is like, I remember AOL for the first time and you guys, it used to be called like dial up and it would be like, <laughs> and then I would, I remember the first time I got like some, like, a naked photo and i remember it having having to load and it, like, it got to the boob part and i was like oh god there's a half of a nipple like it was so exciting and kids just don't kids don't know that you know i had i had sexy photos on a floppy disk saved <laughs> <laughs> by the way that could be a piece of history one day um <laughs> I know it is one of the, it is just so funny what was considered, you know, sexy back then. And I would imagine kids now, they even have to have like, are you into, you know, BDSM, BBM, all the, they're yeah. probably in like, are you into foot fed? Like I only knew, like I heard about missionary sex, you know, <laughs> like I didn't know you could have like, I'm like, what? Like you heard eventually about doggy style. And then of course, every kid laughs about 69, Yeah, but and now there's so many different specifications for sex and so many different ways you can go. I would be so strict as a parent, honestly, when it comes to the internet. I mean, I don't know if it's different in reality when you actually have a kid, then you just like, well, you can't be bothered. But in my mind, I imagine myself being like very strict dad and having like all kinds of like locks on the computer and you can go on for like an hour a day to do your homework and then get off and like go outside. Like I'm going to yeah. turn into one of those. Did you, did you watch that HBO max documentary that the into the, into the storm about QAnon? And it was like, they were talking about uh 4chan and 8chan and all of those. Oh yeah. 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 But it just like, I was like, I really, that would scare the fuck out of me. If I had a kid that had access to any of that stuff, like the worst of the worst, because you're just gambling that this kid wouldn't find all the stuff that is out there to be found. I would also worry about what my kid would say on the internet because, you know, teenagers and kids, like, they push boundaries and they say things that they're not supposed to say and do things that they're not supposed to and then knowing that they could be, like, they could be texting with someone or they could send someone something that they're not supposed to and then their life could be ruined or it could, you know, get leaked out. I'd be worried about that. I would just be, yeah, we, we sound like such, like, 
like terrified boomers now like get the internet away from our well, kids I mean, do you think do you think you you know unpopular your podcast is an extension of that of do you feel ever the pressure i don't think you do but like as you get bigger with that podcast do you get nervous about like i gotta i gotta maybe cut back on my opinions that are unpopular like the title of the show or do you go even harder at it it's actually been the complete opposite because when I first got on and because I'd been so used to being on Twitter, I was like more scared to say things and I would kind of, I don't know, put a lot of like qualifiers around everything, which I still do sometimes, but because the feedback was really positive and then I'm like, okay, like people get me, then I've become more and more comfortable as the time goes on and, you know, more frustrated with how we talk about things and I don't want to like tiptoe around stuff anymore. I just want to like give my opinion like straight up and not couch it in all of this bullshit. So I actually feel a lot more empowered to say what I want to go places that I want to, which at the start I was a little bit more hesitant to go there. Well, I do know you do have some um, uh, troubling uh, opinions, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit right now. We'll do like a, a speed round. Uh, Kelly Dodd firing. What do you think? I know you're a huge Kelly Dodd fan. Yeah, I loved Kelly Dodd and I thought that I expected to see her back because she had really cleaned up on her social media and her kind of public activity in the last few months. She really What do you mean by that? She was like playing well, the she game. She was yeah, well, she was just completely out of control on social media. She was unhinged. And then it went to, a, it just got to a certain level. And then I noticed that she had pulled back and she wasn't getting into fights and tweeting about coronavirus and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, good, you've calmed down now. Like, we're going to see you back on the show. And I, I don't know. I think they've lost a really good housewife in Kelly, but I also get that, you know, they wanted to bring Heather back and it was probably Heather or Kelly and the, the way that the show that they're taking the show now, they chose Heather Dubrow. And what do you think about Heather Dubrow? Were you a fan of hers? Do you think it's a, a mistake that they're, they're going this direction? Uh, I love Heather Dubrow. I think she was such a great housewife. I think that even though I still love OC and I've I've stuck with it, the show definitely changed when they got rid of Heather Dubrow. Like that was the worst casting decision they ever made. I could not believe. Was, was they... it a casting decision, or did Heather decide not to come back because she was like realized she was extremely wealthy? <laughs> So, so she had had a really bad season that season because that was when Kelly Dodd first came in and a lot of people really liked Kelly and they were like, she's put Heather in her place. And yeah, Heather had a really rough season. The viewers were not a fan of her. And I think Bravo demoted her and she said, I'm not taking a demotion. I'm like full-time or I'm nothing. So she walked away. So I guess sort of mutual, like she probably could have stayed as a friend and then been upgraded back because she is really great on the show, but she walked away, but I, I have mixed feelings about the casting because I thought, like, I was a big defender of the last season of OC. I tell anyone that will listen. And I think that with that cast and everything that had happened, we would have had a really explosive season now with them filming without all of the COVID restrictions and everything. But I also get how they needed to shake it up and switch things up. I also think that Bronwyn had become impossible <laughs> to work with. And I was also a defender, defender of Bronwyn. Not that I like her, but I like the drama and the chaos that she brings. And I thought it was good TV, but I really, at this point, it had become, it had become to the point where she was completely living her life just for the show. Like, yeah, there was like this weird, and and I would have been more comforted with keeping Bronwyn if she admitted, listen, I'm, 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 I am all about this fame. I am all about these. I don't think, cause you know, 
to me, I agree with a lot of her social justice issue stances, whether she believes in them fully or not. I believe in what she says. So I just my missing component for me was you also just are so fucking thirsty and you won't admit it. Like, just admit it that you can do both. You can believe in these causes and still go, I want attention for all of it. Like, it's almost the exact opposite of Kelly Dodd. So if you had kept both, like if you had kept Kelly, you needed to keep Bronwyn. But I do, if you got rid of Kelly, I think you got to get rid of Bronwyn too, because social justice issues aren't just going to keep you on a show. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even just the social justice. It was like she uh, she started dating that lesbian personal trainer, Fernanda, who was a friend of the show years ago. She, with Tamara, yeah. Yeah, with Tamara, and they seemed to have like a, a bit of a fake lesbian storyline, and I think that fizzled once Tamara realised Fernanda wasn't full-time. Uh, but <laughs> When Tamara they... realised she actually had to go down on her. Yeah, She's yeah. Like, I can't, I don't, I thought we were just going to touch boobies, yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Bronwyn started dating her, and I feel like that was probably for the show. I know that Bronwyn said she was excited to show that relationship. It just wasn't authentic enough. Uh, do you think Bronwyn has a team meeting with people of like, we could do this? You know, like, what if you uh, dated that girl, Fernanda? Like, I mean, it feels like, how do you even come up with these ideas? Like, I would love to be in her head for a second, just to th- see her thought process on all this stuff, because she's like, she was campaigning full time. She was always on Clubhouse, that social media app. She was always hanging out with, uh, hanging out with like Instagram accounts. Like I know a couple people that I consider friends or friendly with that actually love her and hang out with her, which you always got to be careful of like, don't become friendly with these people because they bite and they, they want to use you, you know? I think she was just an addict. I think she was addicted to fame. I don't think that it was as thought out in the sense that, uh, you know, she's sitting and going, oh, well, I'm going to do this for the show. I think it was just a mad grab of anything that'll get me attention, like a like a frenzied, you know, junkie looking for their next hit and, you know, digging through so, the So, guys, be careful if you anybody in Newport, be, there's a rabid Bronwyn looking for attention, <laughs> just wandering around like a fame werewolf. Um <laughs> But it is interesting. Like she already had like three press releases since. Well, because that I love how you saw Kelly Dodd uh, cleaned up her act on online. But then we got that she wasn't coming back, and then Kelly was just unhinged. But Kelly fed right into Bronwyn's thing about that text message where Bronwyn text messaged her like, "Hey, we're going through the same thing. I have your back, regardless." And Kelly posted that text message, which is exactly what I would imagine Bronwyn would want. Because then Bronwyn did a press tour just on those text messages and then released a people thing about her dating Fernanda. Like she was all over the place all of a sudden. Yeah, that's true. I do get why it would have triggered Kelly though, because Brom was so fake. Like they weren't yes, even friends course, or anything. But- and then Brom would go, oh, we're in this together. It's like, bitch, shut up. Like but I Bronwyn would lose knew- it. If- See, I I'd- feel like Bronwyn knew that, that Kelly would post that and it would make Bronwyn <laughs> seem a little sympathetic. And look, she's always wanting to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know if she's that thought out. I imagine her more chaotic. Like, I imagine it just doing things in the moment, you know. Like, I just, I think she's just out of out of her mind. Uh, and it's, I will miss it. Like, I definitely am in two minds about it because I did want that season. Like, I wanted that drama. I knew that they were all going to bring it with everything that they had gone through. I kind of just wanted that cast and then put Heather Dubrow back in. And I'm just like, this is going to be insane uh and they haven't gone that direction and i are you would sad like- that we won't get to see elizabeth Varga- vargas vodka 
I, I am Vargas vodka. I didn't know I re- she was doing a vodka line. Yeah, she's a Vargas vodka. She uh, plugs it on her Instagram a lot. I really <laughs> liked Elizabeth. I thought she had a really fun, positive energy. She really didn't get to shine. I mean, with the way that the filming went with the COVID and the breaks and stuff, how can you expect any new housewife to come in and and make their mark? I mean, and she still she still gave us a cult storyline which we've never had before so that was pretty iconic and then at the reunion (laughs) she just was gunning for Bronwyn so it's not like she didn't do anything I thought she needed a real season to prove herself there was a thing in the reunion that I was like I was kind of disappointed that Andy didn't pursue it further or or it got cut where Elizabeth Vargas uh, came out with the fact that Bronwyn tried to make out with her and she wasn't into it because, you know, of Bronwyn's situation with her marriage. But there was like really no follow up or there was like, I was like, where the fuck were the cameras on that? Like who dropped the ball on the, the Bronwyn make out with Elizabeth? Because that had to have been after she started to get sober. So where the f- what was going on there? I want to know more. Does Bronwyn just go around and go like if you're on the show, she just automatically tries to make out with you? I mean, I would have loved seeing Elizabeth and Bronwyn having some kind of like oh, lesbian yes. thing on the show. That would have been amazing. Uh, I think they hated each other too much by the reunion, but I caught that as well. And I was like, why are we pursuing this, Andy? Ask some follow-ups. Like, I wanted to know about that. <laughs> I know that Tamara has said that she had suspected that Bronwyn was into women because on their season that they did together when they were making out, Tamara thought that, you know, this is just fun. We've had a few drinks, but she felt it from Bronwyn's end that like, oh, this isn't just a drunken. This is she, could, she could feel kiss. Bronwyn's boner. She was yeah. like, oh my God, I'm really into this. Yeah, no, I remember, I mean, that was one of Bronwyn's first episodes where she just like got drunk at that dinner and just started making out. And like, I mean, I talked to most of my girlfriends and all that. And like, you know, at some point, they've gotten drunk and made out with a girl. And that doesn't mean that they're by, you know, like it just, that's yeah. just something everybody seems to have an experience. In fact, one of my, one of my, uh, my friend Annabelle wants me to ask my mom if she's, if she's ever dipped into the lady pond. And <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to ask her, but I just, I, I can't imagine if she, but wouldn't that be amazing if my mom had like this whole secret life? I would, I would love that for her at some point. My mom has, my dad told me, and I found an old photo album and it was like my mom and like one of her friends when they were in their twenties and they were um, like drunk and topless on like a floaty in a pool and they looked very cozy. So it's that's like a nice green imi- tomatoes or a, yeah, that's a, the <laughs> it's a nice image to have burned into my head <laughs> for all eternity. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to I see Bronwyn back on TV though. Like I am hoping for the Bronwyn on, you know, the marriage boot camp or the Dr. Phil. Yeah, or- that's why we TV exists is like a feeder mm. system for like people from Bravo that don't make it on. I mean, that's what I, I feel like we TV is at, such a banner year because so many Bravo people have been fired. They have so many people to choose from for like, you know, Jackson, Brittany would be great for marriage boot camp. at the same time, as exciting as I am to see these things happen, there is also a sadness as I don't know if you feel as the further you get into this, where you do realize it's like a prize fighter when Mike Tyson stopped, you know, just kind of started losing it as a prize fighter. It's never going to have the same heights as being on, uh, Vanderpump rules for Jax. It'll just be a facsimile or a, a sadness then sets in for me when I hear about things like that. Yeah, I know. But then I also, I don't know. I'm 
think you are a big Jax hater. I root for Jackson. Brittany. Oh, I forgot. I... That's another thing. You guys, this is how <laughs> I love them. Check this shit out. This guy loves Jackson, Brittany. And do you, do you love like how much spawn con they're doing on their social medias? Do you, I mean, we get to see Jax act out commercials now. I think um, good for them. And I've heard a rumor, although I heard this a while ago, so I don't know if it's still a thing, especially with in Australia. Oh, we have Big all Brother these new, Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that he's meant to do Big Brother Australia, but we've got all these new coronavirus rules lockdowns and stuff now so that that might not happen for jacks <laughs> well but also isn't there a thing like i heard that he might not be able to be because he has an arrest record oh i didn't know that yeah well i know he that those there sunglasses was... in that one season at, in hawaii <laughs> at the sunglass hut that's true. You know, I will say that when I heard his name being thrown out for Big Brother Australia, it's not a fit because our version of Big Brother is super family friendly and it's all about like challenges and it's pre-recorded. They don't air it live. It's it's completely different. They basically revamped it recently and made it into this like pre-recorded like competition show. Very family friendly. And I'm like, that's not where Jack's fits like we need jacks being out of his mind and screaming at people and you know on a on a much darker show than big brother australia i mean i am all for i mean is i am all for having jacks on another show like and you know last time i talked to you you really did make me think and and, and i've been saying this so much on my show lately is i really do think hating a housewife or a reality star is just as valid as loving one like they go hand in hand i think you do need those um, like I hate Lisa Rinna with a passion, but I also understand how important she is to that show. Can you explain why you even hate her? I think she's amazing. I think she's so fun. I just, every time she comes on screen, she lights up the screen for me. She, Everything oh, about oh, her is incredible. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> she's, I mean, the girl needs to take it down 800 million steps. Like she is overdoing it. Like this, this season, she's a caricature of herself. And that's saying a lot because she started as a caricature and she's gaslighting us into thinking she's legendary for her lips. I'm sorry, her lips are jacked up and that's why and she and she's gonna sell a makeup line the, and then the, this past week's episode Jacques, i cannot wait to hear what you the the glee in pawning her daughter off on a 37 year old man scott like, i mean did you see how oh my god i'm trying not to say it i guess we got to talk about the elephant in the room scott Dizak. and then all the ladies were like it's gross it's gross and Rin is like yeah 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 should i text chris should i text chris jenner would that be crazy like chris jenner is not scott's mom you know I well, I love it. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Um, that it's not Scott's mom. That's amazing. Uh, I love the overreactions. They're so funny. Me and my housemate watch her and we just like crack up laughing every time she shrieks. Like I loved when she had the hose and she was squealing. Oh my god, with hair and like Harry's secret. I want more of Harry's secret garden. Harry's, I. I would love to go to a farmer's market and buy some of Harry's zucchinis or pumpkins. And the fact that he has Rinna do like exercises to like not burn like in fire. I think he's just trying to wear her out. So she passes out, <laughs> but it was just her screeching with a hose. Like that's it. Like that's fucking slender man stuff. Like that's nightmarish. I think that's her personality. I think she's oh, like that. Oh, she yeah, was kind she's of fake as shit, Jacques. That's no, how she's, she's, like. she's full of life and she's exuberant <laughs> and She's fun. <laughs> well, I mean, and and but just the the balls on this woman that she is trying to say 
she was still a good friend to Denise and that she has secrets. She has secrets about Denise. She didn't, uh, she didn't release. And she's still like, that is the biggest load of horse shit. Like you can't go when Denise is not there. Oh, I know things about her that I didn't say. And that's why I'm a great friend. That's bizarre. Well, no, I agree with Lisa Rinna. She was a good friend to Denise. The whole thing started because Denise was talking shit about them behind their backs. And then it led into the, and then you're lying about this. And then you're, you're cutting scenes and storming off and, uh, you know, liking shitty tweets about us. Like that, that was Denise's fault. I think Lisa Rinna tried, uh, you know, but it, that's a show. It's the show. We're going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> and what was I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Lisa Rinna did anything wrong. And I think there are other secrets about Denise. I've heard, you know, when Denise came to Australia on her press tour, and I'm a big, actually a big Denise Richards fan. And I feel like a hater because I had to sort of, I was against her on the housewives, but overall I'm a big fan of hers. But, you know, I heard that, um, you know, she had some situations when she was in Australia. So I'm sure that Lisa wait, Rinna. Wait, 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 what, what do you mean situations? Like, what is that? I mean? just heard that she likes to have a, you know, a good time. We um, all like to have a good time, Jar. I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, you mean. I like, don't want to say. Yeah, she I sleep with like eighty percent of Australia? no, she wasn't. She wasn't sleeping with people. She was, was just Aaron you know there? partying. She was partying. Oh, that's okay. what I heard. And <laughs> a lot of partying. So, um, you know, I'm sure that they did protect her in in certain ways. And yeah, I think well, I whole- agree. I don't think she was a great housewife. I do not miss her in the sense of being on the show. But I just was so disgusted that Rinna, that wasn't Rinna's storyline and she hogged it. The fact like last week's episode, I saw her light up with glee when Erica Jane came in knowing that the divorce happened and Rinna was like, I'll sit next to her. And then Rinna was like driving around with her. And like, there is a thing with Rinna where I feel like she's potentially like this in real life where she just gloms on to somebody that she thinks is going to get the most attention. And then like, which I need to know, I need to know your thoughts on Erica Jane this season. And with the whole Tom stuff, did you guys get the housewife and the hustler over there? I heard you didn't. Uh, we didn't get it, but I, how did I watch it? Someone sent me an illegal link. I thought it was so boring. Uh, Are I you was, out of your damn mind? Yeah, I, boring? I thought it was such a snooze fest. I would have been happy just to watch a compilation of uh, Dana Wilkie, Heather McDonald and Danielle Staub's confessionals. I really didn't need to see the rest because I had I already read. Great. I love yeah, <laughs> The talking heads were so amazing. Funny, yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I had already read like the LA Times and stuff so I already felt bad for the victims you know I was just kind of felt like I felt like yeah. I was rereading something that I already knew you know what I mean so I already well, felt me, bad it, for it, them it, it, it put a face with like I, I mean I thought it was powerful to actually see the guy's burns over his body I thought it was like it really then kind of gave it a weight that before I was like oh Erica doesn't have private jets anymore and then I realized <laughs> what it was kind of more about for me at least well, I mean, I've look, I've always blamed Tom. I think that, look, with Erica, I'm just waiting for the court here, you know, whatever the verdict is, because we still don't know how much she knew. Like, yes, of course, I'm sure that she knew that she was getting, uh, Tom was doing dodgy things to get yeah. money, but there's a difference between, you know, that and knowing that it's coming from like burns victims and and you know ripping off these people in the way that he was so i don't like, know i don't think erica was involved in like paperwork because if you're spending some old dude's money you're not trying to get into the details you're out enjoying your life you're out doing chicago and new york the thing that i'm uh i mean what do you think about this i feel like erica is giving one of the lifetime performances of the year where she's like 
I was in a loveless marriage. I, it wasn't like PK and Dorit. It wasn't like <laughs> Kyle and Mauricio. And I had to live with that. It's like, you knew that 22 years ago, you knew exactly what you did. And this is what happens when you don't marry for love. So for her to rewrite this as she's some sort of victim is like, to me, another one. that's like, you got balls on you, you know? Yeah, the acting performance is incredible. And when I watch it, so I have to remind myself because I w- I'm watching her on Beverly Hills this season. I'm like, she comes off great. Like, this is the best she's ever been. She's so likable. And then I have to remember, like, the case. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, you're actually an asshole. So, you know, if I just watch it on the level of I'm just going off the surface of, like, what's on the housewives of Beverly Hills, I think she comes off fantastic. If I factor in all the other stuff that I know, it's, like, it's totally fake. Even, did you see when they were in the sauna with which? Erica and Sutton were in the sauna that was not even on that sauna like she's (laughs) oh I'm sure they couldn't do that for the cameras and all of that stuff but I loved watching them go into cryo or cryo treatment and by the way Erica like Erica's now like yeah I need the kindness of my rich friends to let me still have a rich lifestyle because I probably can't access the money that's hidden away right now so like I love and I that's where so the other thing about Beverly Hills we have we're dealing with is the Sutton Crystal, uh, you know, it's almost like a puppy gate or a panty gate with towel gate. Um, and I do I kind of see both sides, but I got to tell you, like I Sutton is a kook and I like she's my kook. I like her. I, and I like Crystal, too. Like, both things can be true. I love at the end that Crystal was like, no, I'm not letting it go. You know, I'm not letting this go. Like, I will describe you. What was the word? Uh, um violated i'm going to keep using the word violated i love crystal did not back down she said in a very calm way what are your thoughts on this whole mess uh well i like them both as well uh i think they're both great on the show they're the only ones with any drama uh you know it's funny so with crystal have we talked about how crystal's just teddy 2.0 because she literally is she's just the same literally the same character no 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 no, no because she i don't the same. i don't hate i don't hate crystal so i know she's not teddy 2.0. no because you're all everyone's just deranged and they because it was such an unfair hate towards teddy and now people have pretend amnesia with crystal oh, whereas oh, i like oh, teddy so i can like crystal too you like I'm Teddy consistent. all you want, but you're going to go to jail just like her for that all-in stuff. No <laughs> way. Teddy, by the way, Teddy, how does Teddy still come off boring even when she knows she's a cult leader? Like, she still <laughs> manages to find a way to come off boring. They are the exact same person, and I really enjoy them both. And, you know, my reading of the Crystal situation at first, I was like, you know what? she does seem more conservative. She probably was an overwhelmed on that trip and she probably was really uncomfortable, but I won't say who it was, but a housewife messaged me because I'm always posting on my Instagram stories and stuff. And they said, no, this is fake. This is a rookie mistake. The rookies always come in and they think that they're supposed to overreact to something. And then it can, it can backfire. That was Dana Wilkie. No, no, it wasn't Dana Wilkie. Dana Dana was on half a season. She doesn't know everything, but (laughs) So when someone said that that's a rookie mistake and the newbies do it all the time, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like maybe she is, maybe she is doing that. I haven't figured out if she's genuine or not, but what I will say is that I think that it's more the other women stirring it up than Sutton and Crystal, which 
that's what they did to Dorit as well with the Pantygate thing. Like Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle really egged on Dorit to kind of, uh, you know, buy Erica those panties and stuff. So I feel <laughs> and to make that drama and then they fueled it. So I kind of feel like it's the other women like Kyle that are ginning this up because it, nothing else is happening on the show in terms of like conflict. It's the only conflict there is. Well, but for me though, it still works completely. I mean, I, I for me, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I am in, I insanely look forward to it every week. I really, for some reason, I feel like it's firing on all cylinders for me because even like just the addition of the Kathy Hilton stuff, which do you think she's overblown or do you like her? No, I actually think that she's living up to the hype. And usually when these people come in and Twitter hypes them up, I'm like, please, like, yeah. get a clue. Like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, calm down. But no, I actually think the hype around Kathy is justified. She's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, she really, I mean, even in that last scene, I mean, you had the, oh, our British friend over here. And Dorit was like, I'm not British. That is my husband, PK. And like, Kathy just says, bizarre shit with like a straight face even if she's like in on like even if she's doing this on purpose i love it for some reason i love what it brings out in kyle i love it makes kyle funnier to me for some reason yeah i I, I don't know kyle's not fun because kyle's not funny like kyle's just sort of corny but it's like endearing because i think kyle's a nice person so it's kind of cute that she's so corny but kathy hilton's actually hilarious yeah i really like the cast except uh, i don't like dorit at all i mean i haven't liked dorit for years she's so especially this season i feel like people are finally Man, seeing it now she, she i mean I, I i feel bummed for dorit because it doesn't seem like she has a story at all. Like, I mean, it's just she hasn't like, in years. And, 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 <laughs> no, come on. That Booga de Beppo thing. Was yeah. <laughs> but also it, I, I felt like this was going to be Dorit season and I was sorely mistaken. Like I really thought this was hers for the taking after Teddy left and nothing like she has been a big dud except, I mean, she's just not had even enough scenes. Like you, you find yourself going like, Oh, Jagaloo, mommy's going to leave Jagaloo. Like I find myself just having those little moments, but her and Kyle, she walked away from that fight with Kyle. Like, I don't want to do this right now, Kyle. Like you don't walk away when Kyle gives you a serve like that. It's because the dumbass fans last season went all hyped up to read and oh my god, I loved her. I love her fashion. Oh, I, she gives us a fashion moment, honey. So they endorsed all the worst parts of Dorit, which was like no conflict, like bad style and being Switzerland and sitting on the <laughs> fence in everything. And then Dorit went, Great, I'm the fan favorite. Let's triple down on that. And now here you go. So well, the moment when- I realized the fans were crazy was in I started seeing a couple of weeks ago of like PK is looking good. I'm like, <laughs> Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, I'm not like, I mean, like literally the guy like tucks in his shirt and everybody's like, Ooh, damn. Like, I'm like, get out of quarantine already. That is like, we can't, I mean, he might be the best person in the world, but do not tell me PK is hot. Do not They're deranged. History, you know? It's completely deranged. Dorit had two good seasons, which was her first two seasons, which is when she was actually making shit happen and causing drama and stirring it up. And then, you know, the fans hated her remember back when she was first on the show and then she started pulling back and being boring and just wearing Chanel logos from head to toe and then she got all this praise for it. Now she's possibly one of the most boring housewives ever. The fact that people (laughs) said Teddy was boring and then you're actually sitting here supporting Dorit. Oh, my God. Look at everything that Teddy did on that show and then compare to Dorit. Like, Teddy was always, like, bringing stuff up, like, stirring drama and everything. Dorit has, like, no personality and wears a Louis Vuitton pyjama set and you think that's entertaining.
entertaining. So I don't even know uh, what to say I, about I the mean, bands. I mean, I unfortunately think you are so wrong about Teddy, and that's what makes me, even when I agree with you, then I realize you at the end of the day, you still think Teddy's an exciting character. And I just think that is so bizarre. And I, I sometimes pray for you in my prayers at night. <laughs> And I'll like, well, I'll be like, dear, dear baby Jesus, please look after Jacques and his his weird thoughts about Teddy. Well, I'm enjoying the cognitive dissonance with everyone standing uh, Crystal, but thinking Teddy's boring. So, well, let's well, see no, no, how no, long you know Crystal lasts. Crystal is, Crystal is the new, fans. but it is interesting. Like, yeah. we have somebody like Crystal coming in, and I don't think she's like celebrated as the second coming like Kathy. But I think people genuinely like Crystal. But then you go over to Real Housewives of New York. And Ebony K. Williams is not, I, I really like Ebony, but she is getting a lot of backlash, especially in this past week's episode. And this is really a minefield. And I don't, you know, I even hesitate to bring it up because I don't know if two white dudes are really going to do this conversation justice. Well, because, I'll go there, you know me. <laughs> well, but I mean, like I, I really was, I was trying to read all angles about this because I was looking into what Ebony, well, Brian Moylan, you guys, uh, I don't know if you read these. Did you read the Brian Moylan? I mean, I skimmed it and then I read Ebony's um, large well, reaction to it. I felt like it was a, I thought Brian, like it was like a, I mean, Ebony was, you know, like Brian served it and Ebony like hit the ball over the, like, I mean, hit it hard. So what happened guys, Brian Moylan does these recaps for Vulture. Brian's been on the show before and he just had a housewives book. And it just goes to show you that old adage of project what runway, like one day you're up and the next day you're, you're uh, Avita Zane. And Brian wrote this thing where he he really came down hard on Ebony Williams and the night in Harlem episode and said, maybe if we we would care more about these ladies not getting along with you, if we knew more about your story instead of trying to educate people about black excellence. Um, I, I think I'm paraphrasing there, you guys. And then Ebony wrote back this Substack uh, article of a really like just taking well, I mean, at the same time, gave Brian a couple compliments, but taking him to task for saying this show has dealt with race the whole the in the entire time. It's dealt with the white race, the Caucasian race, I believe, and and really kind of took his argument apart uh, thing for thing. So it's very interesting to watch the fan base itself kind of go, well, I thought we were supposed to like Brian. Oh, Brian shit now. And it, it like, it, it's been very interesting from a fan perspective of just being fans of both of these guys, but then also really trying to understand what Ebony is saying. And then also uh, Ebony's defenders, what they're saying as well, because like I said, I'm, I don't live in Ebony skin. I'm not African-American. I want to be as, is try to be as, I don't know, thought out as I can about this, but sometimes my brain just speaks in fart jokes instead of these serious <laughs> topics, you know? Uh, where do you stand? Not where do you stand, but- All right, what let's get into this. this. All right, well, the viewers don't like Ebony and they never have, which I actually do like Ebony. We're both Virgos. It, it, well, no, because- a huge blanket statement. I, I like Ebony. I don't think that many viewers like Ebony or what she was bringing. I don't think they did from the start. Uh, you know, when she first came on and I clocked this, I said- I really like this Ebony, but she speaks like a politician or a robot. And there's something completely unnatural in the way that she interacts with people so far. And I was like, I don't know what it is. And then right from when she joined the show, I brought up her cable news past on Fox News, obviously, which those clips are kind of recirculating now. Uh, and she was she was a conservative on Fox News? Well, 
it's a little, I don't know. I wouldn't say she was conservative, but she definitely was out there with a lot of conservative talking points. Uh, she did a lot of, she kind of like did some of the greatest hits of the, you know, respect the flag. And uh, she had a more nuanced view of Trump. I guess I'll say her mom was a Trump supporter. Uh, she, there was, yeah, she wasn't as like super woke as she is now. And, you know, the thing about cable news is like cable news is a showbiz gig. I always say this. Most people on cable news don't believe what they're saying. They go on. It's a job. It's a great platform. It's a lot of money in it. You can spin off and get your own show or whatever. It's, it's, it's career. So when I saw that Ebony had been on Fox news, I'm like, okay, well, and then gone to housewives. I'm like, well, this is someone that wants a media career and, since she worked in cable news for that long, I'm like, well, she's someone that's going to say what she has to say of the moment to like get where she needs to be. So when she's on Fox, it's a lot more conservative leaning talking points. And then that's out of fashion. And now it's like super woke, like social justice stuff all the time. It doesn't compute. So right at the start, I was like, I don't know if I trust what Ebony's saying and now throughout the season it's been too much i don't think people are watching the show for this it's every single episode like i feel like with the uh the harlem night if that was kind of like one of the first things that she brought out it would have been received differently but because now it's been You're like on the every heels sing- of four episodes yeah back to back. eight yeah. episodes it's it's like it, it's everything and you know i felt really bad for uh, I felt bad for Luann when Luann had got in that fight with Ebony because I thought it was really wrong of Ebony to kind of like go up and go, she called me an angry black woman when Luann didn't say oh, that. Oh, when she went and back to Leah. Yeah, so she, that wasn't what Luann but said. Don't you think, but don't you think that was kind of the intent though at the end of the day? And I mean, not in the sense that Luann is a racist because I do not think that, but Luann's ego, she thought she was being told that she wasn't she wasn't elegant. She wasn't classy. And for, I, I mean, I feel like that's Luann's Achilles heel. Like, how dare you, how dare you come into my house and call me not classy, right? Yeah, no. So look, they were both in the wrong with that fight. I did a really long breakdown of this because it was like Luann. In one of your episodes on Poppy, yeah, right? Yeah, on my podcast. Uh, Luann did end up, like, she was kind of gaslighting uh, Ebony a bit and she was overreacting like something that Ebony hadn't said. So she was sort of like, she was taking offense to something that Ebony never even said, but Ebony actually started escalating things and yelling and stuff. And then as soon as she was caught, she's yelling at someone, then she's called angry. And then she turns it into a race thing. And she also said, she made a comment. Uh, she said, no one else called, um, Leah angry. It's like literally like five minutes earlier, Ramona was like, why is Leah so aggressive? Why is she like, so Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. 
So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys, this is the commercial I was telling you that was going to happen at the beginning of the show. We are there now, and I am proud to announce that BetterHelp is the sponsor of So Bad It's Good this week. Now, life is full of stressors, and it doesn't matter who you are or what you have going on in your life, but it is probably stressful. Uh, If you guys follow me on Instagram, I felt so insanely sad on Friday, and I just, I said it out loud or, you know, in an Instagram post. And on top of that, I also uh, consulted with my BetterHelp therapist. Now, BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And that was another thing. I feel like I look like insane shit right now, and I didn't want to see anybody. And my BetterHelp therapist totally understood. You know, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. That's huge. 48 hours. Sometimes we wait weeks. Sometimes we wait years before we do something about the sadness that we feel inside, about these problems that we have. And there is something like BetterHelp out there that will help you with your life. We all need help with our lives. I need help with my life, and BetterHelp is helping so this podcast, once again, is sponsored by BetterHelp, and So Bad It's Good listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash so bad, that's S-O-B-A-D. So that is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash so bad. Give it a shot. That's all you have to do. But uh, I think, you know, like me, I will sometimes just let things go actually make that first step. This is just a very simple thing that you can just check out. You don't have to do any more than just check it out. But um, I think it's worth it. So back with the show. The rules of wasn't adding up. What we want with housewives is to go in there and mix it up and throw shit at the wall and get people upset. Like, isn't that what we kind of want? And yeah, but she said she said no one else called anyone else angry, which wasn't true because Leah was. She said that Luann called her an angry black woman. No, she called. She said you were angry. So. That's different. Now with Bashawn is that we had the Harlem Nights dinner. Bashawn sort of tried for the first time. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. And Bashawn, she was fun. So I've got a lot of thoughts on Bashawn, but Ebony smeared Bashawn with an all lives matter thing. It's like girl, like, and now with the Brian Moylan thing, the way that she's reacted to the Brian Moylan piece, it's like, let the mouse go. The Harlem dinner, it didn't land. It didn't work. 
move on. Like uh, try something else. (laughs) It's becoming meta to be a housewives fan though, because we are talking about things like we talk about it and that didn't work for a housewives episode or this did work. And I don't mean in terms of race or ethnicity, but it had, and I think we mentioned this before, it really has become like survivor instead of a group of women that were naturally put together. You know, even earlier, a couple minutes ago, you said, um, you know, I talked to somebody and she said, Oh, that's a rookie mistake. We're now there's a way to play this game and potentially Ebony's playing it where she went, she loses the overall fan base, but she's, I don't know. Like it is weird that we now think of this in terms of gameplay um, and losing a fan base or gaining a fan base. Leah had the fan base last season. She lost the fan base this season. It's so weird because when we watched these shows originally, we didn't talk in this way of losing or winning, you know? Yeah, I think Ebony needs to just get out of her own head a bit. I also, I don't think that pe- the, the viewers have enjoyed what Ebony's brought, like, early on. I think now, like, I no one wanted to be the person that says, I don't like the first Black Housewife on New York, because that show really needed diversity for a long time. Like, it was crazy that it took them so long. And Ebony's, she's pretty amazing. Like, she's beautiful. Dude, she she's funny. Like she intimidates shit yeah. out of me, not as a Black woman, but as somebody that fucking, like, that's what I was like. It's almost unfair. It's like she's coming up and like, there's no argument that Ebony cannot win with those ladies. There's just, it's not even in the same league. Even if she turned against Leah right now, she could trash Leah. Like she could destroy Leah with like three sentences. Well, she has a similar thing with Bethany where it's like, you may not be technically right, but you know how to argue. You know what I mean? So Bethany, well, she, wasn't I think she right, finds it with Bethany, Glee. That's why with the Brian thing, I was like, man, she was waiting for somebody. She was like, it could have been Brian. It could have been somebody else, but she was waiting to write those words, which I think because she knows she's so good at it. Like, and it's like Luann wouldn't be able to write three sentences, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, yeah, I don't think people have enjoyed what she's been bringing from the start. And I think that actually a lot of the hate that Leah has is sort of, they didn't want to say it about Ebony. So they've been taking out a lot of it on Leah. Cause I don't think Leah's really done anything that bad. And that's been well, a real overreaction. Still, right? I'm a, yeah, I like her more this season than I did well, last. Cause I last season, she was crazy. She was crazy. last season with the drinking when everyone was standing Leah last season, that's when Leah was like out of line because, because that drinking yeah. was insane and people were like, we love Leah. And I'm like, she's it. Ramona's right. Like this woman is. Uh, but I loved of- what it brought in, brought out in Ramona. I loved what it, like to me, that was like this thing thrown into a science experiment, like on lost season two, when you started to, or when they like introduce Islanders from the other side of the Island, all of a sudden it just like really breathed life during a COVID season for us. But for them to watch these new ladies, respond to somebody with that much like drunken energy and youth really shook things up in a positive way. I just feel like it, you know, the air is out of that bubble and season two is just like, okay, well, what else is there with Leah? You know? Well, no, I think there's, I love Leah. And, uh, but yeah, just my journey with her has been the complete opposite of the fans. Whereas I wasn't as much of a fan last season, whereas this season, I think she's like fantastic. And I think she's a really good friend to Ebony. And I really, I think they both have a really genuine friendship and connection. And I really like watching it. Yeah, They and both think, want attention. No, I think they both, well, yeah, they, I don't think they want attention. I think they have big personalities. And I think that Ebony is, 
I just think Ebony needs to be more herself. And then if Ebony heard this, she would be like, oh, she would write me a Brian Moylan thing about how dare I say she's not being herself. But uh, the fact that she was on cable news and that there's been such a flip and that the way that she speaks to people, it's not like a conversation. She speaks at people. She, she, you know, she lectures people, you know, Ramona, that's an objective fact. It's like, can you imagine <laughs> if someone came in your house and then started bringing up any political issue? Like, <laughs> Wait, let me let me take a side turn for a second because we're looking at all through the thing of race, which it is she's bringing up. But imagine the Harlem dinner with any other political issue or social cause. You'd be like, "Wait, what? This is like a, a Wednesday night. I'm going out to dinner, and my friend has come here and is giving me a lecture on climate change." Like, imagine fucking Siggy Flicker comes in and she goes, <laughs> "Taking you out to dinner in at Mar-a-Lago, and <laughs> here are some conservative heroes, and or I'm going to teach you about like anti-Semitism." Yeah, Instead of James Baldwin, it's like Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Siggy, we you look at Siggy's social media, she's big on the anti-Semitism thing. Imagine if she started giving people a lecture. The viewers wouldn't like that. So well, it's I mean just that's interesting, approach. but also don't you think also it's time and place? I was talking to somebody about that last week. Is that you know, this is the day after one of the biggest elections that we've ever had as a country in America. So, and that election was very racially charged uh, and uh, as well as America has been. So isn't this just a reflection of those times that we're in? And and if we had seen this four months later, or if they had filmed this four months later, it potentially would have been a completely different location and a completely different dinner. Yeah, that definitely has to be taken into account for sure. Because like, I, I actually do like Ebony. And try, if I didn't like Ebony, you guys, like I would, just straight up say I don't like Ebony, but there is something that I really like about her. So even though there's a lot of things she's done that I disagree with, I'm really trying hard to give her the benefit of the doubt with stuff. And I definitely think the timing is a part of it. I mean, I felt the timing was a part of Leah lashing out at Heather Thompson because it was right before the election and someone doesn't want to get lectured about the election, you know, with all, it was very see, like intense Leah's time. one of those people that like cannot argue her way out of a paper bag. So she ends up looking like an idiot. Like, no, everything she said about Heather was... The, the truth. Yeah, but oh, I feel like she, the package, like Ebony speaks in this eloquent, beautiful way that's kind of weirdly poetic. And Leah just screams and says like buzzwords like Karen. Like, but it, it was true. She was a Karen. Like, well, but it just, <laughs> to me, it makes Leah look like a little corny, a little whatever the kids are saying. Chuggy, chungy. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt Leah on a deep and spiritual level when she went off at Heather. I was like, this is me. This is, I've never felt a connection like this to a housewife before. She, articul- <laughs> she articulated my rage uh, around the election and and people, and I just thought it was incredible. But what was I even saying about Ebony? Yeah, what so are- the timing, the timing for sure. But even, okay, so the timing factor that in, but then also it just didn't work as it didn't work as a sit down dinner. I think maybe uh, letting people know I'm going to take you to like an educational lunch or I'm going to take you to the Black History Museum or something where you know that you're going into a, an educational thing and then you have that moment. But I think presenting it like a dinner and then having people turn over and then they've been assigned someone and then Ebony's going to stand up and talk to you about the history of this person and it's in the middle of New York at like, you know, 8 p.m. at a, like a cool, uh, restaurant. It just it didn't work. It didn't land. It would be fun at the end of the season. We do have to take a test. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it, didn't, well, it didn't work. The only thing about Ebony, and this has this is another thing that I just kind of picked up, and and I really this doesn't have anything to do with race. But the only thing, because I really do like Ebony, but I just don't. 
the two things that I think is that like, she says, I'm genuinely interested in being friends with these ladies. I'm like, no, you're no, you don't like, how would you ever be interested in being friends with these ladies? Ebony's like cool and young and potentially hip. And none of those other ladies besides Leah, all, it, you know, it's like, I don't, but what I do believe is that Ebony and we're seeing this now because of like the way they cast this show is that Ebony is so smart that she wants that platform. Ebony is a go-getter. Ebony is going to be successful one way or the other. And this, to me, is Ebony doesn't see um, this as like a group of ladies she wants to be friends with. Ebony sees this is her future as a media artist. And like, I don't mean that like, because by the way, like ambition is- amazing like i love people with ambition so but sometimes when you're in a reality show it can ring false and it can be like well i can sense that you really don't want to be their friends but you're killing it because you know eventually you're going to have your a bigger platform because of this like the things that letter with brian moylan she's making she's cementing herself as this kind of person that is like wow look at her she's making herself more hireable in all of these different media outlet forms and to me, I know she knows that. I know that. A lot of people know that about her, and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it disappoints me because I do want to see actual friendships. And that's just like a personal vibe I have always had with reality shows and why I hate the hills right now, because there's not real friendships going on. No, that's spot on. I mean, Ebony's on there auditioning for the next spot on The View or her own show on MSNBC. Like, that's and what she her will stint- get it. Like, she, yeah, she- will get it. She will, although she's uh, she could overshoot her shot. Like it, it's it's get because I heard some. I heard that the next episode is actually. I, I don't want to spread in case it's the wrong information. But if the next episode is what I think it is, uh, it's getting it's getting intense. But Wait, by the um, way, because this will come out on Tuesday, and the next episode is tonight. So oh. are we? Do we have another um, uh, like quote unquote history lesson? Is this another? I think that someone. Uh, I don't want to look like an idiot if I get it wrong, but well, I no, I mean it'll be th- fun if you do. Well, I mean, okay, I heard that something gets thrown around of are you a white supremacist or something like that gets thrown around, and then is it Ramona? I think she says it to a few of them, and then I think that it actually gets brought up about Ebony's conservative past. So, <laughs> oh, I did hear the conservative past part, which yeah. would be great, but I, I mean, that gets brought up. You had this like scene with Ramona and Ebony, you guys, and Ramona <laughs> keeps saying, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about politics. And Ebony keeps like chipping away at it, which always made me think of like Ramona is a vile creature that we all love. Like, I mean, I love Ramona to death, but I will not, I will not mince words. I do not agree with political, like anything. I don't even think Ramona really does have a political thought in her head, except for I want money, you know, but the fact <laughs> that agree. like, We do have to respect, though. I thought it was such an interesting because it was one person wanting to be in a scene and one person not. And it's almost like, well, you have to respect if someone keeps saying, no, I don't want to talk about this. You can't keep doing it, even though I do always love a scene where Ramona goes in the other room and cries and that ends with a hug with crying. Like it did provide results, but like at what cost? Anybody condoning that scene is out of their fucking mind, because if someone came in your home and started like. (laughs) like lecturing you about politics and you said, I don't want to talk about it. And they were like, that's an objective fact. And you're trying to walk away. Like I always say, just replace Ebony with Siggy or anyone else that has a, like people that are condoning it, that's because they support that type of politics, but put any other politics, you wouldn't like it. Imagine you have people, I know people get triggered that, uh, 
that Leah didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton or Trump in 2016. Imagine Leah brings someone in, starts yelling at them. Well, why are you voting for this corrupt two-party system, huh? Like, you know, why yeah. don't you go third party like me? That's an objective fact that, you know, you're continuing the lesser of two. Like, imagine if she did that, you wouldn't like it. So people, anyone that's co-signing Ebony doing that is just because they personally agree with the politics. And if the politics were switched, they would hate it and think that it has no place on the show. And uh, what I want, one thing I wanted to say about Ebony is, I don't think that people ever have liked what Ebony's bringing in with making everything so political from the start. And I do think that people didn't want to go, they didn't want to come out and be the first one to say that they didn't like the first Black Housewife. And now that the conservative stuff is getting recirculated because people are kind of using that now as a bit of an excuse to not like Ebony. And then also Bashawn's on. So then it's like, oh, wait, there's another Black Housewife. Now we're all going to stand Bashawn. Like, they we were are waiting very quick to make these people, uh, these housewives <laughs> historical after one episode. I mean, and luckily I was right with Kathy, but you know, that's, that's a lucky, that was a lucky guess on my part that we would all love Kathy. But uh, the, that is an interesting uh, concept. I do wonder where Bershawn goes from here. I do wonder, cause Bershawn was supporting this from like the, <laughs> the jump every episode. She's like, I think I'm coming up soon. She yep. would like just so, and I'm, I'm curious to know more about Bershawn, but uh, it does show how quickly we fall in love with these ladies. Well, my Bashawn prediction is her thirst will be her own undoing. I agree that she was fantastic on that first episode. And she seems on paper, if you just see it, wow, what a fantastic addition to the show. Like we should have her on the show, but you know, if it's full time, like you know, bring on Bashawn, get rid of Ebony. Like I see people saying that, but it's like, I've been watching Bashawn's social media for quite a while. I've never seen someone this thirsty. It's Insane. Oh, it's crazy. Of- like, what do you guys think? Are you there? You know, she's like, I, well, <laughs> no, that's so funny that you said that. I was on um, Mandy uh, Slutsker's podcast, um, uh, Is This Real Life, the other day, and she mentioned meeting Bershawn at Margaret Joseph's book signing in D.C., and Bershawn, the first thing she did was like, are you following me? And then made her get her phone out and she, and and then oh. follow right in front of her. And I thought that was so amazing of somebody that confident of like, get your phone out. I want to see that you follow me. And I mean, that is a go getter. I just hope they didn't bring her on to get into it with Ebony. I feel like that would be ex- extremely just short sighted in so many ways. Yeah, well, I mean, look, but the thing is as well, it's like someone needs to get into it with Ebony and Luann tried and then Luann was, cancel Luann, Luann's racist. So, you know, look, and the fans of the fans want this. They, they mean, well, they pretend, the fans pretend they want this because they complain about, they look for, you know, microaggressions and racism in every single episode, like every episode of Housewives Now across every franchise is like spot the racist. And I'm not saying that there isn't, there hasn't been racism and stuff on the show. There has, of course, 100%. So no one's saying that there's no racism on the show but i'm saying that with a segment of the viewers more the people that are on social media every episode has become spot the racist so you know with this season of new york they're kind of getting what they want but then they don't like it because in reality it's not an entertaining show like we don't watch for that it's nice to say it in theory and go that you know we want more social justice and everything on the show but then when you watch it it's like mm, not that interesting like where's the wine throws yeah. like you know i watch i watch the news like i watch hours of the news i listen to hours of political podcasts you know like i'm very into politics like i don't need they can intersect sometimes but i don't need every episode to be this like why am i watching 
Yeah, no, I mean, it it will be interesting to see. And I think also this season is is different because it is politically charged because of the times we were living in and with COVID and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if it can find its footing. Right now, I feel like Beverly Hills has found its footing and New York is in desperate need. So to me, it, it views as somebody that's watched this from the beginning as without any kind of uh, foundation. Um, but I mean, what you just said about Luann and like spot the racist and stuff, it, it does spill over into our lives. Now we're about to start the Olympics and we had, um, trying to, what is her name that, uh, she smoked weed and she was not allowed to compete. She now has a 30 day ban and people are up in arms about like how, you know, come on, weed is nothing. Weed is this. And I was kind of curious about your interpretation of this uh because i figured you would have one but also because then i started looking into it and then i found a bunch of tweets from this olympic athlete that i was like these are horrible like she she was like if you like little nas x you can unfollow me you know she was coming like very homophobic <laughs> is this tweets. is this the wade one the wade girl the wade girl yeah i'm trying to find her name <laughs> Um, but it, I, I, I'm sorry. Did you see these tweets that I'm talking about? Um, no, I haven't seen the tweets. And so with the weed situation, I've literally only seen the headlines. I haven't read the details of it, but my opinion is that weed should be legal. And of course, yeah. as far as I know, that weed isn't a performance enhancing drug. Definitely like not. It, I've never a- had any good performance <laughs> on weed at all. Like, So I don't, I think they should just legalize weed and it's fine that she smoked weed. And as for her tweets, yeah, I think people can tweet what they want. I'm gay. I don't care she's homophobic i really doesn't worry but me. It, but it does but then but see then it goes into my overall perception i am guilty of that when i i mean it's not like that i'm like well how dare her not like little nas x she should not be able to be in the olympics but it does go to show you that nobody is above board anymore everybody has something in there i mean this was as recent every march where she was saying this about little nas x and I just found it funny. I was like, wow, it's so funny in this time, in this year, you still found time to hate. And now, um, I, I don't know, for, for, it's like nobody has not done something kind of horrific if you go around digging potentially, but it is weird when then that becomes a part of your overall view of that person. Well, where is she? Where is she from? Is she American or is she? I believe she's American. Yeah, I mean, she oh, was. She was. Okay. I mean, she was. She was on our 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 team and like. Oh, okay. She, she impressed everybody. Um. Oh, her name's uh Shaw Carrie Richardson, I believe. Look, I think if she is homophobic, like she, I mean, I don't think that that should affect how she's performing as an athlete because if she can run and she's done the training and everything, then that should be fine. Now, then, there's a. As far as like brands and stuff, brands don't have to sponsor her. Like brands don't need to align themselves. No, Nike her, actually. Nike said we we actually stand by her. We oh. uh, because I think they saw the support for her, um, and we we stand by her. We you know uh, she admitted she made a mistake, but then there's this whole debate. Well, Michael Phelps uh, had a picture with the bong. He was and I don't remember this story specifically. Uh, I'm not sure if that was happening during the Olympics because I mean she admits she did do something wrong that she knew was wrong at the time she's there was a reason for it somebody had brought up the how that her original birth mother had died and she did not know that and she uh panicked and then turned to weed i believe that night to help with her anxiety but it is interesting if you did do something wrong there are going to be consequences and i find it i don't know it it was just i've been thinking about it the last couple of days you know that's already in the if it's already a rule though because these athletes have it drilled into them like no drugs no you know they know what they're allowed to have and what they're not allowed to have so then on that i think maybe 
I don't know, maybe she needs to fall on the sword because, but it's also like, let's open the conversation about, let's get lead, weed legalized. <laughs> maybe use that oh, as I mean, a jumping yeah, it is, off It point. is so ridiculous. I mean, like the weed, I mean, and we do see it more and more in America, even though so many countries have not legalized weed yet. And hopefully that will, uh, will, will yeah, fall into place. Yeah, do, do I have you for a little bit more time or do you got to yeah, rush yeah. Let's Okay, know. let's go. Well, uh, I want to go then into the Britney Spears stuff. Um, you know, the conservatorship hearing is, I mean, not even, we're not at a hearing even, but we had Britney's um, impassioned plea or statement a week and a half ago. And we just had an article come out today by Ronan Farrow and Mia Tolentino uh, about the conservatorship. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to read that yet. Um, but, I read that last night in bed at like 2.30 a.m. <laughs> is that what? Well, by the way, he, he told me this morning that he didn't get any sleep because he played PlayStation all night. Yeah, I was playing PlayStation. Then I, I was like, oh, I've got to go to bed now. I've got Ryan Bailey in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> I need to read. I need to read the Britney article. And then there was a few bars left at the end. I was falling asleep. I'm like, Shark, you've got to like, you've got to be up for Ryan's. <laughs> well, it it's, I mean, in the article, it says that she Britney called 911 the night before her uh, that that uh, statement that she released. And I, I don't know. What, I mean, what is your overall thought? I mean, the article, sure. But also what is happening? Because I don't, I mean, there seems to be, everybody's coming out of the woodwork. We have Kevin Federline making statements again. We, we now, uh, almost people are rewriting history about Sam Lufty. Um, it's very interesting. All of these people that we grew up watching Brit be around are now coming back into play. Cause I just, I was like, I never wanted to see like even Larry Rudolph, all of these guys. Oh, it's a, it's definitely feels nostalgic. I was just yeah. thinking actually <laughs> the worst this, kind of nostalgia. Yeah. Last night. Well, so I did a whole, I actually kind of did a whole big episode on free Britney the other week because I'm like a former, I was a former Stan. Like I'm talking like hardcore Britney Stan. I've seen her in concert multiple times, uh, just lived and breathed Britney. And then even reading the New Yorker article last night, it was just like, it was like my youth was coming back. Like it was just it's such a blast from the past. I couldn't believe reading all we these. Do- live through our pop culture it really is the soundtrack to our lives you know yeah and then also as well like hearing britney it took me back to the time of when she was in the media all the time before she was under the conservatorship and we heard more of her voice and all the drama and the chaos around her because it's it's funny if you remember back then it was just the news was just britney 24 7 like there was nothing more interesting than what was going on with britney spears and now it's sort of like coming back up with the free britney movement uh First off, people need to stop rehabbing Sam Lufty's image. Like, they can all be trash. Jamie Spears yeah, by and the way, Sam We Lufty. don't have to have heroes. Like, Sam yeah. Lufty wasn't like, oh, he was all good after all. No, the guy was a <laughs> fucking creep. Like... Exactly. And people are, people are changing the narrative now. Like, oh, maybe he was right after all. Like just because he was right about Jamie Spears being a dickhead doesn't make Sam automatically a good guy. So fuck all these people. Uh, Brittany needs to be out of the conservatorship 100% because... You know, I was made the point the other week, like maybe she can't manage her finances, but like who the fuck can? Like who do you know that yeah, can manage know. their finances? Like, like I had like I fucking <laughs> my credit was destroyed because of a three hundred dollars Sears card I got in college that I bought a like a sound system with, <laughs> and like that screwed up my credit forever. Did I need to be in a conservatorship? Probably, but I wasn't I didn't even have to even con- entertain it. Exactly. And with the mental illness, it's like I'm sure she is mentally ill. Who the fuck isn't? Like more people are mentally ill now than not mentally ill. And like imagine, it's kind of normal. But but also imagine who she is and having to think that millions of people are fascinated by you. That would fuck with your mind so hard. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Just, it's like, it's, it's insane. I can't believe that. Like, I feel like in real life for you to have like the amount of control they have over her, if it was anyone else, like it was just the average person, you would have to have like your eyes rolled back in your head, foaming at the mouth, your tongue hanging out to your chin, like unable to move before they would put a conservatorship on you. Whereas with Britney, it's like, she can do all this stuff. She can tour the world as people point out and release albums. And she's still under the conservatorship. Now, look, maybe they can put some kind of money management thing that stops her from blowing like her entire fortune. Well, Bessemer Trust, that $100 billion hedge fund, just asked to not be a part of this any longer. And the judge granted that request on Friday, which is just insane for a hedge fund to be like, I do not want involved with money. I do not want to be involved with this money thing at all. You know, well, they probably, maybe they know that it's not right. It's not above board. And now they're seeing that the way that things are, are shaking out. And who is this uh, new Taylor character? Oh, there's so many. I mean, the amount of grifters around her and I feel so bad for her because it's like, who can she have in her life to trust? Cause usually you would have your family. So it's like, you've got all the grifters and the leeches and everything coming on you when you're a celebrity and trying to get something out of you. But it's like, you can always fall back on your family, but she doesn't even have that because her family are milking her. Like she has nothing like, you know, Kevin Federline, not, she can't rely on him. Even the current boyfriend, Sam, like, yeah, they mean, they seem happy and in love and everything, but who would even know? Like if it came out in a year from now that he was shady and had some other girlfriend on the side and used Britney, like I wouldn't be surprised. That's what I said last week. I said, you know, Ryan Murphy's paying close attention to this right now. He's like, this is, (laughs) This could be a season of a Netflix show. Like, you know, because it has the financial element, the crime element, the star element. It has everything that a Ryan Murphy production has. And you just know, I'm just like, how can he, who's that one actress uh, she he puts in everything? Uh, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. I'm like, who does Sarah Paulson, like, where does, could Sarah Paulson pull off a young Jamie Lynn Spears, you know? like, <laughs> Or maybe Sarah Paulson can do the role of a lifetime and do Jamie Spears, her dad, you know? Uh, she'll do, <laughs> I'm sure she'll probably play multiple roles. I mean, yeah, the whole thing, I just think they've got to get Britney out of this. And then whatever happens, happens. I don't know if she, I don't know if she can manage her empire or not but she needs to have that freedom to do it she needs to have the freedom to fuck up if the money goes the money goes it's not or your you, fucking you, money or the the, <laughs> the the freedom to just fucking make a bad album like you know yeah. like at least like i mean we also saw like janet jackson not i mean we we had the super bowl incident with justin timberlake and her career kind of didn't ever weirdly recover after that even though she you know i think she's going back on tour again and she's potentially she's a legend but she didn't even get put under a conservatorship and it's just interesting to see and i feel like it primarily has happens with female artists like male artists are allowed to fuck like i mean Think about the amount of like lawsuits Johnny Depp has to go through and this guy is not in any kind of jail or conservatorship or, you know, Nick Nolte roofied himself, literally roofied himself. Uh, and there was like an infamous mugshot of him with his hair astray. And he he said he liked to roofie himself to see what he would go through. Like we have like crazy men right and left and nothing usually ever happens to these men. Yeah, this is also though like a classic story of just leeches getting around. Of a someone. girl like, named they Lucky. Did it- well, they, <laughs> they did it to Michael Jackson, though, didn't they? They had him drugged up and was spending his money. Didn't they have that dodgy doctor that had him doped up. Like, I feel like they did it to Anna Nicole Smith. Um, 
you know, it happens when you're famous and you fall fall vulnerable. And, you know, I would be worried. Like, when when they do get Britney out of I'm going to be happy for her. I'm going to be a little bit worried as well because I'm going to be like, oh, God, what's going to happen now? But at the end of the day, like, you can't put someone under this, like, with an IUD and everything. It's insane. Um, they're going to have to – my my friend has this theory – I don't know. He plays devil's advocate even more than me. And I know. He I was like, that, Jesus, like, uh, I feel like you're always the devil's advocate guy. He thinks that maybe Britney, but I don't believe this at all from everything that I've read and seen, but he's like, maybe she tried to do something, you know, to her kids or something bad. Maybe she's like really crazy. I'm like, I don't think there's anything like that with her. Like, I think she's a good mom. I think if anything, she's probably the best mom out of everything she does. Uh, so... Yeah, Brittany. Um, I, I think, think but I think she has. Doesn't she have very limited access to her kids? Yeah, I I don't think it's very limited. I think she gets them, but I think they use the kids according to the article and then everything I've read. Yeah. They use the kids against her. So if she doesn't do what she's told, well, you're not going to have access to the kids. Which I can't believe that Kevin Federline would be playing into. I mean, I can guess <laughs> I believe it, but it's also like just. She has no one around her. Well, that's what I said. Know. Even Kevin Federline has appealed to the conservatorship many times to try to get his uh, his monthly, you know, paycheck increase from the conservatorship. Yeah. And people have attested that she was a great mom and, and, and you know, a nice person. No one ever has a bad word to say about her. And in the it, New Yorker. Nobody has really said that Britney's a, an asshole ever. Yeah, no, never. Like, she's literally the nicest fucking person, which is, I saw a really great tweet, actually, the other week where someone said she's kind of like the only pop star that isn't like a, I can't remember what they said, like a, a soulless narcissist or a, like a, I don't know, a rabid social climber, something like that. Like she really is like a normal person. And it's almost why she's fallen prey to all of this because she is so normal. Like I feel like there are other people that are so ambitious. They almost have like a sensitivity chip missing and they can really claw their way to the top. Whereas Brittany is such a sweet, normal person. And because of it, she's in this world and it's just like the sharks have, have got her. I really feel for her. Well, it is interesting though. Cause I was trying to, I, I was thinking like, you know, the wackadoos that did the uh, Capitol riots, you know, and like really, you know, just insanity. But then I was just thinking like, man, if we, if we keep going with this, I feel like, you know, f- the free Britney movement, eventually <laughs> we're going to have our, our capital moment where we just like storm wherever fucking like shed Jamie Spears is. And like, just like, cause I, I really, I mean, it is interesting to be in a day and age where we get to feel the hysteria because we're on social media so much and it ramps it up so much where I keep just thinking like Britney gave this 20 minute speech or whatever it was. And in, in that movie version, you would, you know, she's free to go right now and no, nothing happens. So we're, you know, it then leaves us fans to be like, we have all this anger, this, this, this is like, what the fuck is going on? Because it's also, if we can get Britney free, maybe we can be, our own lives can be better. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> free, you know, maybe, maybe America can be saved. Uh, I hope that Britney fans stick with it because it's like the public pressure is what's going to help Britney get out of it now. So I hope the media, which is good. It seems like the media is like right on it, but I also feel like we're going to have something come out soon. That's going to be damning to Britney. It's something they're probably holding on to. I'm sure they've had things that they've tried to blackmail her with. So I don't know if he's like, I dated, I married Kevin Federline. I (laughs) think fine. Yeah. 
but even, maybe like a, a some kind of mental health diagnosis or something. But at this point, with, so what? If yeah, no, but likes- I mean something severe. Like they're they're gonna come out with something severe. But I'm like, well, I don't know what to believe now because even if they do come out and if they go, oh look, we have a psychiatrist that said she has homicidal tendencies and and uh, you know all these issues, I'm gonna think, well, did you know was this was this psychiatrist influence? Like, I don't trust it. So if something comes out now negative about Britney, because I've seen all the way that the the people have like moved things around her to like keep her locked in this so they can all benefit financially. I'm not going to believe if something now comes out that is like damning to her. Like I'm just not, and I don't think the fans will either. Well, I think that's the frustrating part about pop culture. And then uh, I guess the world in general, but also what social media does is that there is no, like, you, you know, you can't believe anything anymore. There's not, I mean, like even Bill Cosby gets released the other day. Mm. There's proof of what he did. And he's like, I've always maintained my innocent and I did not do any of those things. Like, you know, you in this country, America specifically, you are allowed to lie boldface and you will have people believe you. Like they're there. And I, and as somebody that likes to deal in absolutes, it's so frustrating because you just want to, accept one thing and move on with your life. And the fact that these people, it's like, OJ didn't kill Nicole. It's like, Oh, okay. OJ, like, <laughs> I guess all of these things just like, what a bizarre uh, ran it. Like it is so frustrating for these things to happen. And you see it a lot with pop culture and they get them this whole media play. I was reading these articles about Bill Cosby's trying to, you know, I, he, he's, he thinks he's going to say yes to a documentary and uh, news people are, are going like, is it okay to do like, who's going to get the first interview with Bill Cosby? And it's like, nobody, nobody uh, should. Yeah. I think about this all the time. You can't believe anything. You know, they had a court ruling recently where it just came out where some court ruled that you can't take Rachel Maddow seriously because it's entertainment, but they've they've had the same ruling already about Tucker Carlson. So you think about Tucker and Rachel Maddow, the two biggest cable news show, one on the left, one on the right. And a judge has determined in court that viewers can't be reasonably expected to take either of them seriously. And it's like, those are like the two biggest news shows. So if you can't even believe them, like, what can you believe? Like nothing. Bill Cosby's out. It's insane. Like I think about this a lot, like about the amount of misinformation there. I get confused about things like it when last year when all the COVID stuff started happening like yeah I've just followed everything but I'm just like fuck I don't even know like and then the new order I'm like okay I'll do this now but it's like thing you know what I mean do you ever I mean where do you see I don't know I'm not where you see pop culture headed but like with the advent of social media and how much information we have us coming out coming at us all the time where does all this where does all this head like where do we because it's all it's intersecting with reality shows now like all of this is like doing this weird quilt of shit right now you know well you know i uh i was hopeful that we would get more more of a free flow of information coming through with the rise of like you know podcasts and everyone having a platform so instead of having to just have like you know the media gatekeepers like we can all get information out there but i think everything's going to become corrupted i have a very bleak i have a very bleak view (laughs) of where things are going overall i think we're going to continue to get more and more divided more into our own bubbles with you know the social media algorithms they tell us what you know we want to know like they yeah all you need is a handful of people to agree with you i mean that's what i'm like even in terms of podcasting there's so many podcasts now like i i feel like people are like weirded like people are weirdly thinking like i'll get into the podcasting game and make my millions and not realize what a like what a what a tough 
tough, you know, uphill battle a podcast is even, uh, but it is weird, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't really have an optimistic outlook. I did for a while. I thought this is great. We're having all these independent creators and and new voices and new media. Cause I listen to a lot of like lefty, like lefty independent media and stuff that's like not in the mainstream. And I love it. And I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, that I'm getting this information. But then I just see how things work. And I'm like, I know that the YouTube algorithm is gonna get rid of this so no one's getting oh it my god you because you're into youtube too right yeah i'm into who everything the fu- who the i i've started really dabbling in hating gabby hannah oh um, my god the- <laughs> not say you're a gabby hannah fan you probably no okay. i uh these people uh i'm kind of getting into some of the youtube stuff as well now and i was like a little YouTube. frenemies with uh what's her nuts trisha um, trisha and ethan Paytas i did a whole episode i brought a friend i saw on that and, yeah yeah i mean that's a lot of people love YouTube. So you guys, his podcast even covers YouTube drama. So I know there is a huge section that I do not touch at all. And he does. So that's awesome. Well, they're like reality stars, really. So they're having similar kind of drama. Like if you, if you, once you start following some of these YouTube people and their beefs back and forth, it really is just like watching a reality show, but it's also, it is completely ridiculous. Like these people are seriously unwell, just attention seeking, toxic, narcissists that would give like the worst housewives a run for their money and we all but we all love them and support like we all pay them millions of dollars to do it they're definitely hate watchers but it's insane and then they make videos about each other and they're like well here are the receipts because look this person did this to me and then the other person comes out and they play a voice note that someone sent them three years ago that proves that they lied about that it's yeah i was listening to gabby (laughs) hannah the girl that was like had the i was like oh my god should i be recording my conversations just in case i ever get into youtube down the line you know they have hannah burner energy it's like we talked about hannah burner i think the first time i came on and uh we talked about about her you love hannah don't you yeah i sort of like love to i don't know i have mixed feelings about her but i do kind of i think she's a good tv personality but people felt like she was being fake and i was like no she's a hundred percent for real and i've met people like this and that's what those youtube people are like like they're it's a you know hannah burner would have made a great youtuber and people don't realize youtube actually gets more views and downloads than cable tv does oh by far like it, yeah, it's it's huge, like news and stuff on there. Like I am really into this new uh, independent news show, Breaking Points. It's like populist left and populist kind of right. Um, and they do different topics and stuff. And I know that gets more downloads and more reach and views than like, you know, probably majority of cable news shows. What are other, uh, as we start wrapping up, what are other America stories right now that are like uh, piquing your interest? Um. Oh my God, American Benifer at all? Are you are you pro Benifer? No, I'm into the Bachelor stuff, but I don't know how deep you are in. Oh, like, with the Nation. what do you think about the? Oh yeah, I mean, I I go deep with Bachelor Nation. I've watched this entire season so far with Katie Thurston, and uh, the PPP loans were a big thing last week. With uh, yeah, Bronwyn got one too. Someone sent me that. Bit oh, Bronwyn went and Burke did. Yeah, Bronwyn got oh, a PPP. I was sent oh, that, and I didn't. Hey, I didn't leak it out because. I do think, okay, so like with my show, right, like I will, like I'll give my opinion. I have harsh, extreme opinions on things, but in terms of like discussing like people's finances or like leaking receipts on people, that's not my vibe. Like I'm not here to like dish dirt, like, you know, tomorrow or whatever. So, you know, people, because they know that I was like a big critic of Roman early on, they sent me, oh, look, she's got these PPP loans and it looked like bullshit. Like she shouldn't have been getting it, but, you know, I didn't 
share it. I think I mentioned it on my Patreon, but I didn't put it out publicly. But um, yeah, all these reality stars getting the PPP loans. I uh, I also feel like though, if it's there and you if you legally you can get away with it, it's also like well, then isn't I don't know maybe that's the laws wrong and they're just taking advantage of a loophole. <laughs> yeah. No. But, and by the way, like, and part of me was like, well, maybe I would have done that if somebody would have told me to do told that. Me, yeah. You know? like, I know. Well, you got a podcast. Like, but also, you have Nick Nick Vial or Vial or whatever. <laughs> He's coming out like, you know, like, let me break it all down for you. But I think Nick's a douchebag. Like, He's I think such a wanker. Such a he, he loves himself so much, you know. And he just thrives on all of this bachelor bullshit, and he kisses the ass of bachelor, like the bachelor. Well, he thinks producer. of himself as the next Chris Harrison. I think. I yeah, really he, think he's positioning himself. His ego is beyond. But I enjoy bachelor drama. Like I'm enjoying the new season with Katie. I don't like Katie. I think that I love Thomas. Thomas <laughs> love, was my favorite. What you just said is exactly what sums up reality shows for me. I don't like Kat, Katie, but I'm really enjoying this season of The Bachelor. <laughs> like, you don't even have to. Li- it almost helps if you don't like these people to enjoy the season. Yeah, and I've already read the Bachelor in Paradise spoilers. I couldn't help myself. Wait, like, did they already film the whole season uh, of Bachelor yeah, in Paradise? Yeah, they filmed it, and I, they, they, they know the, the couples and who's there. Did like, David Spade hook up with anybody? Because I know he's uh, one of the hosts. <laughs> it, the, cup, the couplings are great, and they brought back a lot of – they're bringing back a lot of people where you're like, really, you're back again? But I kind of love it because I like when they keep rehashing these people. Oh, I love Bachelor in Paradise because it's all the thirsty people getting together to be thirsty and penetrate each other and give each other yeah. STD. Demi's back. Demi's oh, De- back. By the way, cool. and how we met Debbie on Bachelor in Paradise, she brought her girlfriend, and now she's with dudes. I think. I know that was such a publicity stunt. That was hilarious. That was so funny that people were buying into that. And I remember she was on like the Today Show, a Good Morning America, or something like making history, the first ever same-sex couple on Bachelor. It's like that woman wasn't even like anyone else would not have been able allowed, allowed to do that. Like Demi came on the show. Then she brought her girlfriend from the outside world. Who's not even part of the bachelor, like onto the show hey, with her. Hey, and they started like, dating. Completely uncomfortable. This, the whole thing. Yeah. This makes no sense with any of the rules of the bachelor, but then because it was like, they've never had like a same sex couple on there before people, you know, it's like, it's history making. And they just ignored that. It like, they made no sense with the show. By the way, in Australia, we'd already done that. We have had our same sex, uh, Bachelor in Paradise hookups and in Australia our new Bachelorette is the first ever bisexual Bachelorette so she's doing like a Teela Tequila season. My friend she's... said this, uh, my friend told me this that that lives over there, yeah. Yeah and she's Indigenous as well so it's, you know, we're ticking all the boxes down here in Australia. Well hopefully America <laughs> will will copy you and we'll get some weird uh, uh, weird combinations of sexual preference uh, at some point on the Bachelor yeah, season. You guys, America, you think you're so woke, get on Australia's <laughs> level, get a bisexual indigenous bachelorette, then we can we'll talk. Get, we'll get there. We'll get I know. I have faith in America. Um, it is, uh, with, I, I think sometimes with the Bronwyn or any of these people where they do think they are, you know, like, look at me, the first gay housewife or something. And and they get all of this attention for it or, you know, and part of it's amazing because it is the representation that, um, you know, homosexuals actually deserve and need. But I think sometimes the person doing that confuses it thinking that they're like an amazing person. Like I'm like Muhammad Ali. And it's like, no, you're a horrible thirsty person, but it actually representation actually means something, but don't get it twisted. You're not an amazing person, you know? 
Well, it's just that social currency now is like how many boxes can you tick and you get lauded for it and the housewives fans do it too. Like they, like I said, they overstand the first minority housewives, which is good because we obviously we needed that diversity, but I don't think they always judge them in the same way that they judge all the housewives. And that's where that Ollie London thing I find so funny with the the guy that is transracial. Now, obviously transracial isn't a thing, but he's just trolling like the Bronwyns of the world, you know, <laughs> that, that what I come out and and milk this stuff and he's sort of taken it to an extreme level and i think it's hilarious is there an opinion that you had strongly that you've reversed course on in terms of housewives or bravo in the last year oh in the last year um of all time is there something that you were so wrong about besides uh teddy mellencamp um god no there is wait just give me a second to think can you edit out the silence (laughs) <laughs> i i don't know there no there has to be um uh i, don't, I mean well, okay. I, I know in the future it will be teddy mellencamp and i know you'll no it absolutely will not be teddy like mellencamp and icon i know i i'm not that often that wrong about icon, like, I mean, you <laughs> okay she's not an icon, she's an icon to just you like there's no other person saying teddy's an icon <laughs> so alone on that island that it's weird that you keep saying that she's an icon you know what? I one thing that I've changed my opinion on. Oh, you know what, Erica? I really actually no, I wasn't wrong about Erica. <laughs> okay, I have a little more empathy for Lisa Vanderpump, who I dis- okay. greatly dislike, and I think she was wrong about everything. But I will say that I can see myself in her a little bit, in that she's extremely sensitive, and we're both Virgos, and. Uh, I don't know. I'm... Would you like to see her back on Beverly Hills? No, fuck no. <laughs> she's shocking. I, I mean, she's. I make fun of her all the time, but I think that I guess I have a, a, I have a shred of empathy for her now, just in how oversensitive she is and how she can't take criticism. Because I'm a little bit like that too, and I'm a bit like, mm, yeah, I kind of get that. And when she walks off from confrontation, kind of when I have confrontation, I'm just like, bye. Like I'll just bye, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just leave and uh, I'm not doing it anymore. Like I would probably do that. So I guess I relate to her on that level a little bit, even though I hate her and I think she's completely wrong and manipulative. <laughs> and she was like an evil, wicked witch of Beverly Hills. That was well, finally really exposed like after 10 years. Much, uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, we started to see a lot of social media about the new season of Vanderpump Rules. What are you, uh, if you were to guess, what do you think? Uh, what do you think I'm we're in e- for a good season? What do you think? Yeah, I'm actually excited for it now. And oh. I wasn't at the start because I thought it was a really bad move to get rid of the legendary Jax Taylor and, you know, Queen Stacy and Kristen and all of the the OGs that I love. I'm just like, what are you doing? And then Dana dropped out. I liked Dana. I don't like Dana on social media. Her personality, very annoying, but I liked her on the show. They got rid of Danica. I was like, what are you doing? You've cleared out the whole show. Max and Did they Brett. get rid of Danica? Or did, it seemed like Danica got a rich boyfriend and she just didn't want to work. Um, yeah, maybe. Well. I don't know. But it was like, I was just like, what is going on? But now I'm seeing kind of some of the stuff leaked and I've seen some of the new cast members potentially. And I think, oh, you know what? It's actually, go- it's going to be fun. It's going to be Well, good. regardless, like I say, I'm going to watch it regardless. I'm not one of those weirdos that says I'm not going to watch it at all. And like, I'm going to watch it. I might not like doing it, but I, I'm going to watch it. Um, and Are you then still I, pessimistic about it? 
I am a little bit because it seems like a lot of big uh, set piece uh, set pieces where it's like big, like we're going to dress like this and that's going to oh. take, pl- it, it's like, you know, a little bit the the bachelor does the same thing where I'm like, you, you miss actual character development and relationships, but you're going so big and heightened with the lights and the sound that they almost convince you it's a good show rather yeah. than the character stuff between each, like between the characters. That's what we really want. Uh, or at least I really want that. And I don't really care about Rachella and all the Raquel or whatever they're doing. Like, I hope it's amazing. I just want the, the, the characters to be there and get into it with each other. And it seems like, it seems like they're repositioning as not a show about the people that work at Vanderpump rules, but like, like we're still having Lala in the mix. We're still having, so now it's like, I think they're really going like, well, we're just putting all our money in that you want to keep following these people even though they have no uh, tethering to the Vanderpump Rules universe. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be like two worlds. It'll just be the people that they want on, like Lala and stuff that makes no sense. And then it's going to be other people that have fake jobs at Sir to be on there. I think it will be like that. And I actually saw this was going around on Instagram like a month ago. They were having a pool party and someone had like yeah. uploaded footage of it while they were filming. And I'm like, this looks so fake because there was no music playing. And the guys were like, woohoo, and doing like bombs in the pool, cannonballs. And there were like cameras around. And it looked like, oh, you're having like, you're pretending to have fun for. Well, that's scene. Erica Jane. It's 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 style <laughs> over substance, you know, and that's but sometimes that fools people. And that's what, you know, gets us on an Instagram culture that we are now. Um, finally, what do you think about Scott Disick and Amelia? You think they're in it for the long haul? Uh, not in the long haul, but I'm certainly not outraged by it. People did you, most people Do you support sh- uh, dating children. Well, she's no, 19. I'm, I'm most, yeah. <laughs> most people fucked it. Like most girls and gay guys Made fucked love, someone in their 30s when they were Jacques, when, not when they were <laughs> when they were 19. You know, she's a model in Hollywood. I think the the pearl clutching is like a little overdone. I mean, yeah, Scott Disick's pathetic. I think any older guy that has to constantly date much younger women, uh, it just shows that you're like a mental midget, you know, like you can't really have a, a, a woman that's, you know, of substance on your own level. So you've got, just got to get some hot young model for arm candy. So I'm more embarrassed for him, but no, I don't think that it's, you know, outrageous or anything. I think it's pretty par for the course and, you know, good for Amelia. They want to be models. Like they want to be Instagram people. That's the way to do it. So hustle. Yeah. I mean, Amelia learned from the best. No, I mean, really, honestly, I mean, really learn from the best. Um, well, Jacques Peterson, you have done it again. Uh, as Howard Cern would say, we you've said too much almost. You've said it all. You've said too much. By the way, you tagged me in a thing. Howard Stern is taking a summer break. If you guys are Stern listeners, you know he's taking a two-month summer vacation that he just sprung on the listeners this week, which I don't care. I mean, it's like he's in his twilight of his thing. Johnny Carson went down to like two days a week at the end there. So, I mean, I I knew it it, it doesn't shock me, and there's so much to listen to, and I, I don't... It doesn't matter to me one way or the other, actually, about Stern taking a two-month break. But I think if you're paying that expensive, serious thing, and most people, to be fair, probably only have serious XM for Howard Stern. Like, are you paying for anything else? So you'd be like, what? I'm paying this really expensive subscription just for Stern, and then I'm not getting in for two months. I could be listening to Unpopular and So Bad It's Good for free on Apple iPods. So I mean, Apple then, iTunes. And that's, and that's what you guys will do. So hopefully me and Jacques will be able to uh, really capitalize on Stern's uh, two-month absence. <laughs> um, 
but I want to remind people of uh, Jacques' podcast, Unpopular. Um, I hope you guys checked it out last time, but if you didn't, you got to go subscribe. Just go subscribe, listen to an episode. He is in, in you know, he is delusional but entertaining <laughs> he uh is never right but always worth listening to uh but also once you're there rate it five stars even before you listen to it we do that because we support free art we support people that want to do this with their lives and provide us hours of entertainment and Jacques is the real deal i really do uh even though i don't agree with you i believe uh entirely that you are really good at this so um uh, is there anything else we need to know coming up? Because I know you have a Patreon as well. Oh, yeah. I'm doing my Patreon. But look, listen to my show. Listen to my main show. I've got, uh, I'm doing my new episode today. Actually, I'm going to record it and then it'll be out tomorrow or the next day. And I'm getting deeper into the Ebony thing. We talked about it here, but there's just so much I want to talk about that. I'm talking about some Rachel Lindsay. She did a big piece in yeah, Vulture that I want to respond yeah. to. Um, I'm talking about the view shake up. And yeah, I just talk about it all kind of whatever bravo shows i like i'm bro I found the other day deck. megan megan mccain follows me on instagram and i was like oh fuck i i she blocks no me on twitter <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way you you said on uh, twitter that you you're loving this season of below deck med Oh my God. I'm just so happy to have it back. Like, so I got into Below Deck quite late into the franchise. I started with that last, the Below Deck, uh, the main one with, uh, you know, Izzy and Elizabeth. And that was the first season that I watched of that. Then I watched Sailing Yacht. And I've had, I just had actually, if you're a Below Deck fan, check out my interview from last week with Ali from Below Deck, uh, Below Deck uh, Sailing, Sailing Yacht. Yacht. Yeah. Holy crap. You got, oh my God. That's yeah. That was my second time I've had her on and we sort of did a bit of a postseason wrap up. And then she also talked about how she took a fall for a boyfriend that got a drug charge and how she fell pregnant while she was on the pill. And, uh, Gary, so it's a good interview. It's a, it's good a, it's interview. a real juicy one. I, I'm loving below deck. I mean, it's like comfort food. You just, you, I gotta say, I'm right there with you. And like, I, it, it also, I started this episode talking about this of like, loving to hate characters and i love to hate me some captain sandy i <laughs> love the that first episode of below deck mad when she they didn't have a chef and she's like welcome i guess we have to do it and it's like she pokes her nose in everybody's fucking business she should know how to work her way around that kitchen at this point you know <laughs> but i love it i love to like hate malia i love to like i really dislike them and for me though i love to watch it because i dislike them so much it's amazing. I'm so happy that they're expanding the franchise. Like I'm a late adopter. I'm like, how did I? Because I know there's so many people, the Bravo fans out there that were like it's me. It's one of the top like, rated shows on Bravo. Doesn't even, no, Housewives can't even hold a candle to it. It is. But then there's also, there's a big segment of the viewers like me that which they we just watch the trashy stuff like the Housewives. We're like, oh, Below Deck looks boring. And then once you actually commit to it and you get into it, you're like, hang on, this is like the best thing on the network. It's oh, so good. Oh, the sailing good. yacht it's, with the Gary. I mean, all that stuff with the J, JL and, and oh. I mean, just so good this season. I mean, they really lucked out by having such good casting in that, you know, and it's, it really shows you how, I mean, sometimes with cat, it can make or break a show where OC had completely bizarre casting 
2019 and we convinced ourselves that it was still an acceptable season, but below deck sailing yacht had a great cast that like they, they just all played ball, you know, that was like Vanderpump rules on a boat. That's how I describe it with that sailing yacht season two. And then, yeah, with the, I'm right with you with the Sandy thing. I mean, what's so great about below deck and why it gets under your skin is like anyone that's just been out in the workforce or worked in an office or whatever, you can relate to the workplace dynamics of the passive aggressive boss or the micromanager or whatever. And you watch it playing out on screen. You see Sandy going around, sticking her nose in people's business and being passive aggressive and you get fired up. And like, I just love it. Then you have these crazy guests coming on. I had a, also my podcast, I had Erica Rose on. Oh, she was one of the guests on Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Yeah, the the she used to be on Bachelor, and she was a Trumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had. Well, you know what's so funny? She voted for Bernie, and she voted for she she so she came on the show. She she had a friend who had like a Trump bikini on, and then she said she voted for Hillary for 2016. Then she voted for Bernie in the primary. Now she voted for Biden because she loves Kamala Harris. She's like all over the shop politically, which I thought was fucking hilarious. But that's a really good interview too. Oh well. You got you guys got to go uh, check all of those out on the podcast. Uh, I'm telling you, you will enjoy it. If you enjoyed this, you are going to love that. So uh, Jacques will be a recurring guest on this. So uh, we'll talk to you. Um, I'm hoping in a couple months then. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. I love us recording. You'll be back on my show. Please. Last time you came on, we talked stern and all kinds of things. So you'll be yeah. back on mine. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. If, you, if you're looking for like a, a dive into that, go, to, go listen to my episode with him that on his show and then go from there. But um, we will talk to you next time, Jacques. And thank you so much for all your time. Thanks guys. Five, four. Betches.